0: All right, welcome back to the battle round. I think that we have everything figured out here, so we're going to just start from scratch. Peanuts! Peanuts! Good morning, everyone! Welcome to the bat Around round Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. We are coming to you live from our Towson studios on a gray, overcast, rainy remnants of Ian uh, day here, and um, but it's not gonna. Sh- it's not gonna. Dim our outlook on this season. So I've got I've got good news and I've got bad news for you today, Zach. Which would you like first, the good news or the bad news?
1: Uh, give me the bad news first. The
0: bad news first is that the Mariners hit a walk-off home run. Cal Raleigh hit a um Raleigh Raleigh whatever uh, hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning last night to clinch Seattle's first postseason appearance since 2001, ending the longest postseason drought in professional sports. American professional. Sports, um, so that puts the Mariners in. Coupled with the Rays' loss, I mean win yesterday, the Orioles have been eliminated yeah. from postseason contention. So that leads us to the good news. The good news is is that the Orioles got a two to one hard fault victory over the Yankees last night, and they won their 81st game, ensuring their first non losing season since 2016. So that's that's the good news. Now I'll tell you. Even though I've pretty much known, so let me let me uh, pull back the curtain here a little bit. Uh, we talked about the playoffs, and I was really adamant that when you get close, you got to get there, and you know how much I, I I want it and need it now that I can smell it. You know what I mean? But I never really fully believed that the Orioles were going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, they did hold the third wild card spot for like six hours at one point in August. And but you looked at the Orioles schedule down the stretch and you looked at their final 34 game uh, 54 games, and I believe 35 of them were against teams with winning records who were postseason bound. And that didn't even include the um I think it was like nine games against the Red Sox that the Orioles have not fared well in. I believe the Orioles at one point were five and two against the Red Sox and they ended up losing the season series to them um, so that wasn't good down the stretch and I just looked at, at the the roster the fa- uh, and the teams that they were playing and the, and also the schedule of the teams in front of the Orioles and it, the writing was kind of on the wall that they were gonna have to in the last 54 games they were probably gonna need to go I don't know 34. Uh, at 34 wins, 35 wins to have a realistic yeah. shot.
1: I mean, I think we looked at 89 as the number. Yeah, for look, a while. we looked
0: at 89 as as a number, and if the Orioles were on pace to get to 89 wins, there's a good chance because Tampa Bay really struggled down the stretch, and so did Seattle. There's a good chance if the Orioles got to 88, 89 wins, they would have been in there. The problem is. They didn't, and, and we've talked about this, right? They didn't take advantage of series against Pittsburgh, against Oakland, against the Red Sox, against the Tigers. They were they, they could have swept the Astros in Houston. They could have uh, real honestly, they could have swept the Astros in Baltimore. They could have they, they won the season series against the Astros, but they could have swept the season series against the Astros. That yeah. game last Saturday was just one of the most disappointing games of the entire year. Yeah. I mean, you have you you put together a five-run inning and then you give up five runs. You put together a four-run inning and then you give up five runs. It, it it's it was a very disheartening loss and then you go to Sunday and you have one hit into the eighth inning. Yeah. And you're down one to nothing. You end up you end up tying the ball game. You end up getting the extra innings. It's a winnable game and you don't get the job done. Yeah. You end up splitting a series that you should have won and honestly you could have swept. And the problem is Toronto they just they didn't lose. They they, they didn't, didn't lose, and when you played Toronto, they really didn't lose. You lost five of seven to Toronto down the stretch here. You've got these three games left. I'm going to the game on Wednesday. I took advantage of those three dollar tickets. Oh, really? Three dollars? Um, wow. Yeah, but but they're like right around where my seats were for my season for my 13 game wow. plan. So there's still really good seats. Yeah. And I got them for three bucks a piece. And I'm hoping against hope that Grayson Rodriguez makes that start on Ooh, Wednesday. Yeah. That would, be um, that, w- that would be pretty sweet to end the year, give the fans something to really feel good about going into the offseason. Now, uh, look, 81 wins for a team that won 52 last year, 110 lost team last year. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest turnaround in baseball history since 1899. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at it, right, and ESPN tweeted this out last night, and I took a screenshot of it so that I could. Uh, so I could talk about it. The Orioles are now guaranteed, this This from ESPN Stats and Info on Twitter, the Orioles are now guaranteed to finish with at least a 500 record winning their 81st game last night. They joined the 1899 St. Louis Perfectos and 1890 Louisville Colonels as the only teams to finish 500 or better in a season after recording 110 losses in the prior season. So big kudos to the Orioles. They're going to have a 30 plus win improvement from last year yeah. to this year. It's full steam ahead going into this offseason. I'll tell you. I remember 2012 and the Orioles in 2012, they were, they they had lost for 14 consecutive seasons. 14 consecutive losing seasons. Yeah. And on my birthday in 2012, they're playing the Rays. And I decided it's my birthday. I'm not going to class. I was I was still in college. I'm not going to class. So I go and I pick up an ex-girlfriend and we go to the Orioles game uh, for my birthday. And I always remember saying it took 14 innings to end 14 years of losing because it went the game went to 14 innings. Manny Machado hit a walk-off RBI single in the bottom of the 14th inning um, to, uh, on a ball that was that was off the diving left fielder's glove to score the winning run. And give the Orioles their 81st win, and it was their first non-losing season. Guaranteed the first non-losing season since 1997. And I was there, and I, it, it was an awesome feeling knowing that a it's only the middle of September, and they have already guaranteed themselves a non-losing season. Yeah. And B, just being there on my birthday to see it happen, right? So Zach, let me let me ask you, what does 81 wins mean to you now that the Orioles have achieved that this year, when nobody expected them to win more than 60 65 games.
1: Well, I think it's a it's a testament to the phrase trust the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one that people have been saying, you know, ever since 2018 when this all started. Um, it, it's it's a great feeling and it's a feeling that I think it's going to resonate with people for a while. You know, no matter how next season goes, the season after, they'll know that this is the season that turned everything around mm-hmm. and that this is the season where the Orioles, <laughs> you know, retook, um, you know, a, a middle-of-the-pack stance, and now they're they're finally not one of the worst teams in baseball. And it's great to see. I mean, 81 wins, that's nothing to, um, you know, nothing to be sad about at all. They missed the playoffs, and they, they struggled a little bit down the stretch, especially the bats went a little cold, especially when the pitching got really good. The bats started to struggle. But it's a building block season, and that's I think how the Orioles have always looked at it, and how Michael Elias has always looked at it. I don't think Michael Elias went into this year saying, "Man, we're going to be in the ALCS or ALDS or anything of that matter." So, or anything of that nature, I should say. So, this is no matter what happens for you know the the end of the season and the fact that they missed the playoffs, it's still a very successful season and 81 wins, and really it's going to be 82, 83, 84, no matter how many they end up getting here. Is, You'd like an, to think that they can win another game in the last five. Oh, I think they absolutely will. Yeah. Um, at least I think they'll win two or three um, because they're they're going to play with fire. And they want to they want to have that winning record, mm-hmm. and they they want to say, hey, you know, we lost 110 games last year, and this year we're going to come out here. And, you know, win and, and go over 500. And that's a really big success for everyone there. And I think this is going to, again, be the year that really resonates with everyone. And we'll look back in, in five years and say, hey, that was the year they turned it all around. So it's it's no matter, you know, no matter the fact that they didn't make the playoffs this year, we didn't expect that anyway. Huge success. Um, and it, I think it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. And it was. It feels good. Yes. It, it, it feels good to not have that losing season. Right. But to be eliminated from the playoffs, and again, I never really believed that this team would get there mm-hmm. this year. I, I, they had a chance, but a lot of things would have had to go right for them. They right. would have had to play their best baseball of the year down right. the stretch to get there. And they didn't. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, and I really knew over the last three or four weeks, when, you, when they lost three of four to Toronto and then two or three to Boston... In those back to back they lost five of seven games right. in that week, and the ones you
1: had to win. Yeah,
0: that—that's yeah. when I knew, and that was right after they blew an opportunity to sweep the A's. No. While, after, while Toronto was out, was was busy sweeping Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That's when I knew that th- that they weren't making the playoffs. Yeah. One with one hundred percent certainty knew that they weren't making the playoffs. And I think through that stretch, and you know, really
1: through the entirety of this this end of the season, we've seen the flaws. You know, we were always kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, and I think it did um, mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball because we saw Adley Rutchman and Gunnar Henderson really carrying the team on their back. And I know Cedric Mullins has had a pretty good month as of late. And, and Mountcastle been, had a good Mal- month. Mountcastle really rebounded from. Two bad, very bad months.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And Austin Hayes had a slightly better month. And there's guys that have stepped up for sure. But if you look at it, Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson really carried this team throughout September. Um, And the team, as a result, kind of struggled with the bats. There wasn't a lot of great offensive performances. A few mixed in. I mean, they did score uh, 14 on Boston the other day. But regardless, regardless, um, that can't happen next year. And that's something they're going to have to build off of and add more guys that can carry your team. Well, right.
0: And so the point that i was making is even though i knew that the playoffs weren't going to happen it still made me sad last night you know because now you look at it and you know with 100% certainty mm-hmm. that early wednesday evening season's over yeah the season's over and playoff baseball is fun you can you you get to watch the best teams in baseball square off and go and try and win a World Series, and that's awesome. But for me, I'll be watching the playoffs, and I'm gonna be—I'll love every bit of it. But I'm gonna be counting down the days. Yeah. Counting down the days till that World Series ends because free agency starts the next day, and you have a window to to negotiate with your own players. Yep. And then it's a free for all. Really looking forward to the winter meetings at the beginning of December. I think the Orioles are gonna be very active. It's going to start with the GM meetings in November, mm-hmm. and then I think a lot of things will come to fruition, hopefully at those winter meetings or sometime shortly thereafter. And speaking of free agents, Jordan Lyles, he was signed with the Orioles as a free agent this past off season yeah. after going 11-11 and 11 with what was it, 515 ERA last year and 180 Sounds innings right. pitched. Yeah. This year, career-high 32 starts. He is 12-11. and 11. 13 quality starts. What's his ERA? 446? Uh, yeah, It's right around 4.5. Yeah. yeah, 446 ERA. So, his ERA is down by more, almost three quarters of a run. Yep. From last yep. year to this year. 179 innings pitch. He, he, he's in line to get another start. It really depends on what the Orioles do with Grayson is which we'll talk about here in just a second. But, even if he doesn't get another start... Jordan Lyles was exactly what the Orioles asked him to be. And you you can yeah. you can look at what happened with him getting sick on that doubleheader day and then having two ineffective starts in a row coming right after that when they really needed him. Mm-hmm. But then you can also look at the fact that he dominated the Tigers for a complete game, and he dominated the Yankees last night for seven-plus innings. Yeah. And he gave them innings. He's tied for 10th in the American League in innings pitch this year. Yeah. With Dylan Cease, who is who's a Cy Young
1: candidate? I was just going to say he's he has the the major league lead in games started, thirty two. Yeah, so he's been there for them all year. Yeah, he's been he, there for he, them all he's,
0: year. He's he's posted up, and if he hasn't been able to make a start, a couple days later he, he 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 gets back out there, right? Jordan Lyles was exactly what you paid him to be, and he's got an eleven million dollar option mm-hmm. for next year. Starting pitching's always had a premium. Yeah, do you pick up that option? I th- I say you do.
1: So, I've been on the fence about this one because there have been some rough stretches. I think we've mm-hmm. seen his flaws, but we knew coming in, uh, that we, we talked about this on the show, that he's really going to give you almost an every other, where every other is a really good start, where he'll go out there and throw seven innings of one run ball. Well, it's two out of every three. It's so almost two out of every three, and that's yeah. even better, and that's an improvement over what he was last year, and that's why the ERA no, no, that, has dropped that's, from... That's what he did last year. Was it? He, okay, he, okay. He, fair he, enough. He had
0: 23 outings where his ERA was 320, and he had... Uh, nine outings where his or seven out. I, I
1: think regardless, you know yeah. he's going to end up with a good number of quality starts, and that's what he did this year. He gave them a really, really good number of quality starts, and I think that's all you can ask. And when you look at the fact that pitching is a premium, and you you go out on the free agent market this year, and you look at the names. I, I think it's going to be tough to find someone better for the price. Eleven million these days is almost on the cheap end, mm-hmm. so I think that's almost a no-brainer. I mean, someone just said uh, in the comments that he's easily going to get two for thirty-two on the market. And I think that's probably right, and that's you know more than that eleven million dollars. So I would pick up that option if yeah. they can. I yeah. would.
0: I, uh, to me, you. You have a bunch of unknowns next year. Right. Right. We believe that Grayson Rodriguez is going to be really good. right? We believe that Kyle Brash can take the momentum from this year and turn it into something even better next year. Definitely. We believe that Dean Kramer can do the same thing. What we don't know, but we don't know about any of them, and what we really don't know is what you're going to get out of D.L. Hall, uh, who came in and something we totally glossed over. He got his first big league save last he night. He did. He came in in the ninth inning. Facing Giancarlo Stanton and uh, Cabrera, and who was the other guy?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I can look up. But
0: so he he came in last night in a one-run game, firing bullets, thirteen pitches, nine strikes, two strikeouts to pick up his to pick up his uh, first big league save. It's going to add fuel to stand stand the fans' uh, fire that he should be a reliever. (laughs) I'm with him. I'm with him. But they but he threw all. See, I'm not. I'm not because a he's still young. B. He has a four pitch mix that he can throw that he can throw for strikes. Yeah. See, he's got a power arm, right? And you drafted this guy to be a starter, and I'm not willing to give up on him as a starter. Yeah. Ju- just yet. You saw what this big league pitching staff and the player development uh, department can do with waiver claims. You got a, f- a first round talent with that kind of arm, and you're just gonna be like, you know, we're not we're not gonna start him. But you don't know what you're going to get out of him. He's been consistently throwing strikes, and you look at you look at what he's done over his last ni- over his last seven games. Yeah. Seven and two thirds innings pitched, a 104 WHIP, a 117 ERA, two walks, nine strikeouts. Yeah, right. Two walks in seven and two thirds innings. You sign up for that in blood. If that's what you're getting from DL Hall, you sign up for that every time. Right. So I I look at that and Tyler Wells. He they say he's going to have no restrictions. I'd rather see him go back to the bullpen. Than than DL Hall at least at least to start, you I don't. I'm probably on the opposite side of that. You you don't know what you're getting with with Austin Voth. No, are they going to Jordan Lyles? You know what you're getting with him. Yeah, you give you him do. that 11 million dollar option. You put him in that rotation, right? And you you roll the dice. You see you see what you've got. Now I still right. think that they need to go out and acquire whether it's through trade or free agency a legitimate starting pitcher. Yes, yes. But just to kind of take some pressure off, and maybe you don't need some of these guys to start. Maybe they end up back in the bullpen, but. Right. We will see how that goes. I, I, do, I mentioned it briefly. I do want to talk about it. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez. He went, what was it, five innings in his last start for Norfolk? He did go five. Yeah. He, he struck yep. out seven, gave up, what was it, one run, two runs? I think it was one. Yeah. He had a good um, start. Norfolk season's over. Yes. Do you think Grayson Rodriguez will get one start in Baltimore this coming week against Toronto.
1: Yeah, everyone's been talking about it. Um, I was a skeptic. I think I said, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I want to see Grayson Rodriguez, um, you know, just kind of be slow played for the rest of the year this year and then come out next year, you know, spring training, full steam ahead, get him in the rotation and let him take 2023 by storm. That was kind of what I wanted for Grayson. Now that the Orioles are out of the playoff picture, I wouldn't mind seeing him. I don't think it's going to be a totally destructive thing. I want to make sure that I don't know what they if they have inning restrictions on him at this point. If he's still, you know, if he's capped at five innings, that would be maybe a little bit of a concern. Maybe you want to just let him rest for the rest of the year. But I think regardless, he's probably going to throw some kind of bullpen anyway uh, because Norfolk is done and that he's going to have to throw this many innings next year. So he's probably going to have to build up to that. I think they'll have him throw in some capacity anyway, whether it's you know in a game situation or not. So. I, I think it's probably a pretty good chance he comes up and makes a start. Um, it's just whether they want to save him or not.
0: Yeah, uh, I... I... I think you reward him for a good season. Okay. I think you reward him for a good season, and you give him a start. You give the fans one last thing to come and root for yeah. uh, at the end of the year. I think that you should reward him on Wednesday when I'm there with my best friend <laughs> watching the game. Uh, Orioles' lineup is out. They're facing Nestor Cortez, who's a lefty. So guess who's not in the lineup again, despite hitting a home run off a lefty That's the other day? pretty obvious. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and didn't Brandon Hyde say he'd let him bat? He, he, he would play him he more? He did say. We're, we're, we're talking about like Kyle if, Stowers. Yeah, he, he, yeah he, he, he if, if they were out it. of it. Yeah, yeah. and so... Kyle Stowers not in the lineup against Nestor Cortez. Uh, Your lineup is Gunnar Henderson leading off, playing third base. Ryan Mountcastle batting second, playing first base. Adley Rutschman batting third, DHing. <coughs> Austin Hayes batting fourth for some reason, playing hmm. right field. Uh, I, what does he have? Three home runs in the second half. Let's bat him fourth. Ryan McKenna, right. Ryan McKenna batting fifth, Oy. playing left field. Cedric Mullins batting sixth, playing center field. Jorge Mateo batting seventh, playing shortstop. Rufnet Door batting eighth, playing second base. Robinson Chirinos batting ninth and catching. Look, I don't give two flying Fs about what lineup Brandon Hyde wants to put out at the end of the year when the Orioles are out of play in playoff contention. With the exception being that you lied. Yeah. You, you you said when if we were out of contention, I'd be playing Stowers against left-handed pitching. Right. You're out of contention. You're officially out of contention. Yeah. You're facing a lefty, and Kyle Stowers isn't in the lineup. And again, this is not something you want to find out next year.
1: You he don't want to find t- out if Kyle Stowers has
0: can him. two at-bats, two plate appearances against left-handed pitching this year. A hit-by-pitch and a home run. 1,000 on base. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? that that's a 4,000 OPS. Yeah. That's a 4,000 OPS. So what are we doing? What What, what are we doing here? And the fact that, okay, you want to give Santander, Santanders he's earned a day off. He's only missed nine games this year. Okay, that's fine. Reward him for a healthy season by giving him a day off here before you let him play the last few games and see if he can really pad his stats, right? Sure. Cedric Mullins is batting 200 against left-handed pitching. He's batting yeah. six. Ryan McKenna, is, he's Ryan McKenna. Yeah. Why, you want to play him fine, but why is he batting fifth? He's, he's an eight or nine guy. Why, why, yeah. is, why is Austin Hayes, who has hit, I think, three home runs in the second half, yeah. why is he batting fourth? It's
1: a great question. It's a bad lineup construction. That's anyway, what it is.
0: We got to get Stan the fan Charles on the line here today's show. Want to remind you is brought to you by the Guilford Hall Brewery. Have you been there? Have you been to the Guilford Hall Brewery? It's located in Baltimore Station, North neighborhood. Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the uh, craft brew mold with their great handcraft and micro brews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. You can join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. And make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for Yappy Hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. So go to GuilfordHall.com for complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Joining us on the line now, he is a mentor of sorts to me, and he's here every week. He's, he is Stan the Fan Charles, and he's live with us here on the Bat Stand. Good morning. How are you today?
3: I'm good, Paul. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm do, Sad that the Orioles are officially eliminated from playoff contention, but happy that they've guaranteed their first non losing season since 2016. How big of a hurdle is it for the team to get over that hump and know that they are not going to have that losing season this year?
3: I think it's an important, uh, I think it's an important, you know, it's an important piece uh, in two different ways. You know, one literally that they actually got over 500, and the second, that they that they know they can do that. I think it's a, an important thing to to get out of the way when you're in the middle of a rebuild.
0: No, I I, I agree. Now, I, what I do want to know, Stan, is I, I was saying at the beginning of the show that I've kind of known that this team wasn't going to make the playoffs this year, and especially over the last three to four weeks, it really set in they're not going to the playoffs. But it still was heartbreaking to see – as an Orioles fan, you're happy to see the Mariners break the longest playoff drought in, prof- in American professional sports last night, but you're disappointed that your team is officially eliminated. You've been doing this a really long time. Do you still get that, oh, man, when the Orioles are finally eliminated from playoff contention?
3: Um, I got to be honest with you, Paul. Um, you know, from from 1998 to till 2000, through 2011, the club was virtually never in a race. Right. It was like 14 seasons. And then they had this, that little nice run with uh, Buck Walter at the helm and Dan Duquette. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled that this team became this good, this quick. Uh, I don't, um, I don't kid myself. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. Sure. Uh, they still got some areas to shore up. But I, I like I like where they're at right now.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I think we all do. It just it can still be a little um a little disheartening when you see them finally eliminated from playoff contention, especially when they've been playing so well for a good part of this season. Um now, last night, the Orioles, they get that win. 2-1, to heart victory over the Yankees. Jordan Lyles goes out, gives him seven solid innings of one run ball. Strikes out a season-high nine batters. And then D.L. Hall, stand adds fuel to your fire. He comes in to get, and he gets his bit, first big league save in dominating fashion. He Strikes out two in a one 2 3 ninth. He throws nine of 13 pitches for strikes. His last seven, seven games exclusively out of the bullpen. Seven and two-thirds innings pitched, six hits. Two walks, nine strikeouts. That's a 117 ERA. He's allowed just a one run and a 104 WHIP. Does is this kind of proving your point that this guy belongs in the bullpen?
3: Well, I think uh, I think he, it proves it. You know, uh, look, there been a, he's had two, I think, two appearances where he's really gotten roughed up pretty mm-hmm. bad since he's been up here. You uh, know, the last what's he been up about a month? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's just as, as plain as the nose on my face that the, this, this is what his future should be, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and look, last night he was dominant. And I, I'm wondering yeah. if he's the kind of guy where you can bring him in in a high-leverage situation and be like, look, the game's in your hands. We're trusting you to close this thing out for us. If that adds to his competitive fire, and it, 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 he really locks in, because last night he locked in. Last night I thought he looked absolutely fantastic and and, and yeah, I. And, he was
3: pretty and he was pretty he was pretty freaking psyched after after that last strikeout you know mm-hmm. uh you know when Rutschman came out and and hugged him and told him you know I mean he was pretty yeah that's a pretty good feeling there and you hope that that feeling is what carries over for him where he voices that he wants wants this kind of role you know
0: now, let, let me ask you a question. I know that this wasn't in the notes that I sent you last night, Stan, but so I go back to last Saturday, and the Orioles had a winnable yeah. game against the Houston Astros and the Blues in that game 11-10 to 10 in extra innings. But I look at the ninth inning, and the Orioles have a lead, and you've got Kyle Tucker up with two outs, Felix Bautista's gassed, and he has looked maybe the worst that he looked at any point this year in that ball game, and he's facing a lefty. You've got D.L. Hall warming in the pen, and D.L. Hall... Doesn't come into the game. You let Bautista at thirty pitches face Tucker, and he gives up the game tying base hit. Yeah. Do you? F- I felt like if you've got a a if DL Hall is he he's here for a reason. You've got to put him into that situation, a power lefty against a left handed bat. If he if you don't trust him, then why is he here? And and, and B, you look at the next day and look hindsight's twenty twenty. But the next day, with the bases loaded and two outs in the ninth inning, he faces Kyle Tucker and he strikes him out. Which, do you think it should have been D.L. Hall in that situation on Saturday night to try and get the final out with Bautista laboring the way that he was?
3: Got to be honest with you, Paul. I was at a wedding that night, and really, I I just do not uh, get the context of it. I mean, it it sounds the way you described it, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a a no-brainer. But, uh, you know, um, maybe in Hyde's estimation, he hadn't quite earned that that trust just yet. So
0: Yeah. You know, I, I mean I I, I guess that's gotta be what I can it was. Do on that. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, I understand. I understand. Now I
3: mean, Mariners, I think if that same I think if that same circumstance happened tomorrow, uh, there's a good chance DL DL Hall would be coming into the game,
2: you know.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly I think that you're probably right because now that they're out of now that they're out of contention, it probably all right, let's see what you can do, kid. it's kinda of just like last yeah. night. Now yeah. um you can't mention Dale Hall without mentioning Grayson Rodriguez. Really nice season. He had the lat injury that kept him out about two, two and a half months. Um, but he returned and wasn't exactly Grayson Rodriguez down the stretch, but he was still pretty damn good. Do you think that the Orioles reward him for a nice season by giving him a start here in Baltimore against Toronto in that final three-game series?
3: I, uh, My guess is that they don't. I don't think they view it as a reward.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
3: they just have just enough just enough uh caution that uh you know because now now it's vastly different to me. I didn't understand why they didn't bring him bring him into the situation about two weeks ago as a relief pitcher
2: mm-hmm. you know not yeah. that
3: not that I'm projecting that he should be a relief pitcher for the long haul, but I thought that there were two or three innings. That he could have really helped when uh, on a couple of these occasions when when he was running out of people to put in that really could get the job done. You know?
0: Yeah, the, I, I mean you you know you you have
3: to know the last month he hasn't had that much confidence that Joey Crable uh, was going to really get a job done. You know.
0: Yeah, and th- now Crable uh, has been demoted to Triple A, even though their season's over. But I mean, he, he's yeah. he, he he lost his job so to speak. Now, somebody yeah. else, Stan, who uh, might have trouble holding on to his job, and that's Jorge Mateo. And I, I look at that, and he, the defense is phenomenal. He's, he's likely going to be a finalist for a gold glove at shortstop. And when his bat started to come on, uh, starting after the All-Star break, he hit 250 in July, he hit 277 in August. You're thinking, okay, this is a guy who can play shortstop every day for a contending Baltimore Orioles team. He's hitting about 189-190 in September. Um, yeah. you, do, you look at the guys that they have coming in. You have Gunnar Henderson, Joey Ortiz, who's, who has been phenomenal th- since July at AA and AAA, and has a Major League Ready glove. Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby, who is second in the, franchise, in the entire organization in home runs. Not to mention four or five quality shortstops on the free agent market. Should the Orioles just go into spring training saying Jorge Mateo is our shortstop or do you think that there should be a healthy competition there
3: um that's a that's a darn good question i i don't expect them to to go shopping for a shortstop okay. uh, there's plenty of answers. there's there's enough other issues that they have that you know if you if you needed to get through a season and uh, you know Matteo, we know what kind of job he can do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and we probably saw the last month sort of the bottom of what he was, and the previous month we probably saw the top of what he was. Right. But you know, if that guy can hit, if that guy can hit two twenty five to two thirty five, and be on base at just you know, I mean, three twenty would be a- amazing, mm-hmm. but. You know, three hundred. If he's on base, three hundred. That's a lot of uh, chaos coming. Uh, you know, to use the old phrase. Nice. I like it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, um
0: so I mean, stay- he's a
3: he's a unique he's a unique talent. It really looked like in I thought that the club played its best baseball when he was really cooking. Uh, there was about a thirty-five game stretch where I thought he hit. I thought I'd checked it, and he was like hitting three, 300 or something for mm-hmm. about a 35-game stretch. He he hid a lot of the offensive deficiencies of that ball club during that time, and they won an l- awful lot of games during that stretch where he was hot. When he suddenly reverted back to what he was in, uh, all throughout September, that's when the offensive woes of the club really – peaked, you know, that became obvious that this lineup isn't ready to really compete.
0: Well, yeah, and and, and Stan, it seems like Jorge Mateo is getting a called strike on him, multiple called strikes every at-bat that he doesn't agree Mm -hmm. with that are in the zone. It it seems like he just completely lost any kind of clue of where the strike zone was over the last month or so. Yeah. Did did you notice that too?
3: Yeah. I, I... Didn't quite notice it exactly the same way, but I would agree that he sort of got lost that last month of the season. I just tied that after a game about uh, eight days ago. I said, "You know, what do you think happened?" He said, "He started to chase out of the zone." You know, yeah. he got very comfortable. He got very comfortable in that from mid July till you know till about September first. He got very comfortable um, just doing the wrong things again. You
0: know S- Stan, I just want to point out you were spot on. From July 10th to August 23rd in a 35 it's a 35 game stretch for Jorge Mateo. He slashed mm-hmm. 323, 359, 605 with a 964 OPS. You were spot yeah. that, on. 35 games. That
3: 350, that 359 was absolutely it was absolutely amazing. And then about 10 days ago I peeked up at the stats. I mean, I, I knew he wasn't playing at the same level, but I peeked up and I said, this, his own base percentage is under 300. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me in a different way of one of Santander's really good years about three years ago, where the same thing he played. Mm-hmm. He didn't start out great. Then in May, June, and July, he was really good. And then all of a sudden I turned around like September tenth and I said, This guy's one base percentage is like right at three hundred.
0: That was twenty you that was twenty nineteen really when he big, had the labor issue. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um Jorge Mateo in his yeah. last thirty since since August twenty third. So August twenty fourth through. I'm gonna last, guess
3: like one hundred seventy five, one eighty five.
0: He his slash line stand is one hundred seventy. 200, right. 270 yep. with a 470 OPS in 31 games since August 24th. Uh, you you were yep. spot on. You were spot on. Stan, yep. do, you, do you think there's
1: yep. a team, though, that looks at Jorge Mateo being fourth on the Orioles in war at the moment, you know, 3.5, um, mm-hmm. just behind Ramon Arias at 3.6, and says, okay, there's the defense, there's the speed. Maybe they try to make a trade, and, and the Orioles try to move Jorge Mateo. Is that something you could see? Do other uh, teams I, value him despite the bet?
3: I I think he did enough at a high level this year that certain teams would value him. Um again, I I have a hard time when I look at the Orioles thinking they get they get what they need in a one for one trade. Right. But when you start talking about a team um I'm t- I'm at a loss for a second. Maybe like not no nah, not Kansas City because Whittle be the shortstop there. Min- Min- Minnesota's gonna the need one, a shortstop. Yep.
0: Minnesota's gonna
3: need yeah, a shortstop. Maybe the Minnesota Twins and you do uh, Hayes, Mateo, and a prospect and you get something really valuable in return. Sure, you know? yeah. Uh it's it's certainly po- it's certainly possible. Yeah. Um I think I think this last month did n- did not help that. No. Uh, and in fact, if not, if the last month hadn't happened, we'd be sitting here saying, "Hey, is it time to sign him to a three or four-year contract?"
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I so agree with you.
4: And, and saying
3: my I, my guess, my guess is at the worst, they may feel that he could be a super utility guy. You know, and that's what uh, I, you know
0: that's what I was about to say to you. I, I, you'd have to get Mateo to agree to it, and I don't know that he would. I think he views himself as an everyday player, yeah. but. Jorge Mateo yeah. as a super utility guy, I think is a huge piece a, on, on a contending mm, Orioles team. I mean yeah. you're talking about a guy who leads the American League in stolen bases and plays gold glove defense, and that's somebody who you can pinch run, you can you can put him in to play yep. defense. He can still play hundred and twenty games and uh, right. have a big impact on your ball club. He's just gotta be willing to do it. Yeah. You know? Um yeah. so I, I think him as well, a perfect he's got, utility. I guy. think
3: he's I think he's got a lot of trust in uh in these people that are doing the work here, because they did work with them, and it paid off. And whatever the reason, you know, it's the point I make, you know, continually about Ryan Moundcastle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I my gut feeling is Ryan Moundcastle will never be the star that he could be. That's that's my gut feeling. I think he will he will constantly revert back. Being the guy that just chases balls out of the strike zone,
0: I notice you know, that he—it's it's incredibly,
3: it's incredibly hard if you if you're over the age of like 25 and you haven't learned that discipline, you know. Now, I mean, Santander this year, what's Santander's on base percentage now?
2: I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna say like it's probably like
3: 330, 334, something. I'm on like it. I'm on it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna guess it. It lapsed back down to like three twenty five. Three twenty. Like
5: three
2: twenty. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's what I. That's what I thought. That that's huge for him, mm-hmm. but it's not huge. And what is Moundcastles like?
2: Oh, it's got to be like two ninety six, two
3: ninety
5: seven. So
1: Ryan is at three hundred two at the moment. So he's just above, just above the three hundred yeah. mark, which is I, I guess yeah. for him not. Uh, not awful. Yeah. Could be a lot worse, but certainly the swing right. decisions. It's, hit. V- him and it's, very marked, it's
3: very, it's very Mark Trumbo esque. You know, it's 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 great if your announcers want to say another jumbo by Trumbo. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but but the bottom line is he really wasn't helping the team um, over the long haul, and the, the contract they gave him was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you know?
0: I'll, I'll tell you when it comes to Ryan Mountcastle, he hit into a ton. Of bad luck this yeah. year, he has one of the highest barrel rates in all of baseball this year. Yeah. If some of those balls fall next year, look—is he ever going to be the guy that we thought he might be when we saw him hitting 300 and winning Triple A uh, MVPs at 21 years old? Mm-hmm. Pro- probably not. But I think that that's a right. guy who who could bat sixth in your order and be a really productive player if you get that middle order, middle of the order bat um, that kind of elongates your lineup. And that brings me to our next talking point here, Stan. And that's what the Orioles are going to go after this offseason. And you saw the notes. I put a list of players for each position because I think that we can both agree that the the need for the Orioles in no particular order are starting pitching, uh, a middle-of-the-order bat, and some relief help. Uh, Do you see them? I, I think we can all agree that they're probably going to be out on Aaron Judge, even though I think he's a perfect fit here. But there's Jose Abreu, Josh Bell, J.D. Martinez. Do you see any of those three guys being fits here for the Orioles next year to kind of elongate the lineup and give you better at-bats and a, a guy who imposes fear in the opposing pitcher?
3: Well, of the three, what, what's Abreu doing this year? I mean, he's, he's such a steady I'm on performer. But yeah. He's a, um, he's a, I have um, no interest. I have no interest in J.D. Martinez. Yeah, neither do I. I, I really don't. He,
1: so uh, Abreu has been I, worth four WAR. Uh, he's batting three oh four with 15 home runs, an on-base percentage of three si- seventy-six, an OPS of eight twenty-one, right. and an OPS plus of one thirty-two. That's an impact bat yeah. for me. That's an impact bat. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: And, I do not see the White Sox uh, allowing him to leave. But, I mean, to me, he's a lifetime White Sox. So may, I, I may don't you, think. And Josh Bell. I'd I'd have to really have watched him much more. You know, the numbers he puts up are pretty impressive. But I don't know, like, sort of what his WAR is. I don't know what his on-base percentage is. So he's, he's at he's, he's at, had a couple really good years, you know.
1: He actually is having a pretty good year. Uh, his WAR is 2.9, mm-hmm. and his on-base percentage is 358, which I, for a first baseman, um, the on-base percentage is I think around where you want yeah. it to be, and and 2.9 for a first yeah. baseman is actually pretty good.
2: He's
0: he he was way better right. in in DC. In DC, he was. he was slashing 301, 384 with an 877 OPS and 14 home right. runs. Since he yeah. got to San Diego, and he's a
3: switch. He's a switch hitter, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I but yeah, he is. He's a switch hitter. He's hitting 187 uh, since he got out to San Diego with just. Well, I'm not really runs. worried
3: what he's done. I'm not worried what he's done in San Diego. He's yeah. got a track record. He'd be he'd be interesting. And he's in an age where, um, you know, I think he might be a, an interesting fit.
0: Yeah, and he's only 30 years old. You, you yeah. know, like you said, he's at an age where he could he could be a solid fit there. I look at second base. Stan I mean, it, it, a two-year.
3: What, what are we talking, Zach? Two years, fourteen million a year for at that? At his
0: age, I don't think he'd accept that. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm thinking
3: more
1: around like this. I, I think that could be. I think that could be accurate. I think he would want five years.
0: I, he wants more than at, the, at, at thirty years old with a couple with the I, 80's I, think
3: get, I, I think don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody's giving him five years.
1: I think the AAV yeah. at round fourteen is probably about right. I don't. I don't right. think he's going to get more or less. Right. I, I think it's right about that. I, he could get three years, four years, maybe but not five. He,
3: he can do. He, he's a guy you could project more damage than Mancini. Oh, for know? sure. Yeah, and that's the problem. Mancini, they 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 probably have Mancini down as a eight million dollar guy and. Trey's going to want more than that, you know. And um, in reality, he's probably, he's probably in the eight, nine, 10 range, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, given the fact that Jose Abreu, I mean, Jose Abreu and Josh Bell are arguably the two best first basemen on the market right now. And given the fact that right. Jose Abreu won, a, won an MVP, of course it was in an abbreviated year, but, I think right. Abreu even at his age 6 years older than Josh Bell is, might command a little bit more money but I we have a commenter saying that he's a perfect fit and I, I totally agree. I think <laughs> Abreu is the absolute perfect fit for the Orioles. I mean, it's just he's not going to cost a super uh expensive amount. He's going right. to be expensive but it's not mm-hmm. going to be a bank breaker where you're paying a guy like like What's Bryce he, like Harper like 300 two, million
3: two or something. Year, Like a
0: two year 35
1: million. I like think yeah, probably.
0: I probably at thirty six at thirty six year years old, the the bat's gonna play and he's yeah. gonna you're gonna have to DH him mostly. It'll be interesting to see what the White Sox do with him because he's not gonna play first yeah, I, base. I, they I have Andrew Vaughn for that.
3: I don't see them I don't see them letting letting him go. No. You know, he's, yeah. he's sort of a piece he's a piece of the furniture there. He just
1: you know? hit eight years service it, time too, just just yesterday. So Yeah.
0: Now, yeah. Stan, what yeah. about um, what about Gene Segura? We, you, you've already said you don't think the Orioles are going to be in on any of the shortstop on any of the the big name shortstops. Gene Segura is a guy. He's thirty three years old. Uh, he plays second base. He can steal your bag. He he has a two hundred hit season under his belt. Gets on base. Is that a guy you see the Orioles could maybe signing to put at the top of their order to get guys on base for guys like Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman and uh, you know Brian I haven't McKesson. seen
3: enough of him. I haven't seen enough of him. Uh... As uh, once he left the American League, I used to like Segura about three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, five years ago, I, I really don't know the player that well right now. That's He's fair. not that. That middle infield does not look to me to be a place that they're going to spend any money. Okay, uh, okay.
2: Fair I mean, enough. they've
3: got they've they've got Henderson, they've got Henderson, they got Mateo that they still control. They got you know Jordan Westberg. Uh, I just don't see that as an area that they're going, "Boy, let's let's see how we can get better and they go, "Let's find a better second base shortstop person." I just don't see it. I think the the needs the needs of, of adding that that really good bat, you know, that that they can count on to be like what Ken Singleton was 35 years ago, you know. Um, the need for that and the starting pitching and the bullpen are far greater.
1: So Stan, this is our last in-season show. We have, you know, obviously yeah. the season is is ending uh, for the Orioles on Wednesday. And one of the biggest right. preseason topics for us was uh, the wall being moved back and how right-handed hitters mm-hmm. would fare and how pitchers have fared. Do you think this season, and you look at what happened to Ryan Malcastle and Austin Hayes having years that were significantly worse than their previous year, do you think that right-handed hitters um, and, and the way the Orioles look at them is going to be changed because of what happened in 2022?
3: That's a great question, Zach. Um, you know, I, I I think it's quite clear that Elias came in with with a plan. I don't think he just unhatched that last October and said, hey, sure. let's do it. I think he's probably had discussions with John and Sig about what to do. And it's clear that they've built, it's clear that they've built, um, a, a club that has a lot of left-handed, uh, options coming up, you know, with H- Heston Kerstadt and Rutschman, Kouser, um, and Jackson holiday. So he's, he's, he's kind Gunner. of playing this yeah, and Gunner left him out. Um, so I think he's he's kind of been moving in that direction. I think the, the the most important thing to me would be to tie it into your pitching staff. I'd really like to have two left-handed starters next year. And I'm not even talking about means plus one. I'd I think that the number one starter that they need is is probably a left-handed starter, you know, of some renown, you know.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I I can kind of agree with you there. And Rich Hill, would you have any interest in Rich Hill as being a veteran presence you have for low money uh, on this staff next year?
3: I, I I wouldn't have a problem having Rich Hill on my staff. I'd have a problem watching him through playing fantasy baseball. I've had him. He's just always he. You know, if you could get a hundred innings out of him or ninety innings, they're going to be fairly high quality innings. Uh, So I have no problem buying him on a one-year, $5 million deal to round out your uh, – he's an interesting name. But I'm thinking of a Jesus Lizardo, um, a a Ranger Suarez. Those are the guys that I'm looking at, finding finding guys that are good left-handed pitchers. And in the case of Suarez, I was really surprised how few home runs he gives up already and you put them in that ballpark and you think of what the Phillies are right now. Yeah, they need pitching, but they also need to round out their batting. You know, they're they're starting nine a little bit. Um so I think I think there's a deal to be had for a pitcher like that. I've also mentioned I think Giolito would be an an interesting guy yeah. that they could get and they wouldn't at his age and what he did this this year and what he's done really the last two years, I don't think he's going to command huge dollars. You know, I mean, might be four years at 14 or 15 million, but you're not talking 28 million or 30 million, you know, like a Verlander, you know, or 35 million Um so uh, that would be very interesting to me. I don't think Kershaw is on the market. Yeah, I think, I, I think he's a lifelong Kershaw Dodger. Kershaw and the Dodgers are made. He's a lifelong Dodger.
0: Now, yeah, now Stan, how that. about you know, Carlos Rodon is obviously going to be the big-ticket guy. He's a lefty. But Drew Smiley is a solid pitcher. He's a lefty. and I, Wade I like Smiley. I
3: like Smiley. I, I like Smiley a lot. I think Smiley's a very interesting guy. I'd be more inclined... To, to put the eggs in the Smiley basket than the Rich Hill basket being meaningful, you know. I think I think Chris Holt and his and his uh, analytic people would probably do a really nice job with uh, resurrecting Drew Smiley to be what he could be. You know, again, he's had a history of a lot of injuries too. Mm-hmm. So.
0: So how? But say
3: uh, this is what this is what makes for an interesting uh, off season.
0: And, and the last guy that I'll mention, how about Wade Miley? He's been really good since leaving the Orioles. You he's know, a I'm, lefty.
3: I mentioned him to Luke uh, Jackson, our managing editor, and he says he he wouldn't come within ten feet of the, of Camden Yards. I, I think you could do a sales job on Miley to to come pitch at this park. Mm, you know, I think you could this too. Is vastly, this is a vastly different park. And again, he he's listen, he, he was a failure for, for Dan Duquette as a trade, but he wasn't the only guy. Jerry DePoto traded for him. I think he signed him once, traded for him once, and you know, had his heart broken by the guy. And uh Ben Ben Sherrington traded for him. You know, it wasn't like Dan Duquette was the only guy you know, nobody else wanted him. He's always gotten a job, uh, and in fact, the Astros had him a couple of years ago, right?
0: Uh, yeah, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, fourteen and six with a three ninety. Yeah, nine twenty nineteen and one hundred and sixty-seven yeah. innings yeah. pitched. Yeah, yeah. Now, now yeah. Stan, there's yeah. a number of left-handed outfielders that are going to be available in free agency this year: Andrew Benintendi, Michael Brantley, and Jock Peterson. Do you see the Orioles mm-hmm. taking a flyer on any of those guys? Jock Peterson, to me, I don't necessarily want him I don't think he gets on base enough I think he strikes out too much but that's a guy who mm-hmm. he screams Baltimore Orioles does he not
3: uh I've never thought about him screaming Baltimore Orioles um but uh, it would be nice if Dean Kramer would have somebody to go to synagogue with on Saturday <laughs> um, you know he's also Jewish he's an interesting player uh, again I think with what this organization has in 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 terms of what they have now and what's in these, you know, short-term offing with Stowers and Kowser. I, I don't really think the the outfield is really where they're going to be going. You know, yeah, prob- in fact, I think that, I think they may, I think the odds of Hayes, Mullins, and Santander all being here next year I wouldn't give. I wouldn't think that's a high probability. I would also say it's pretty low.
0: You're you're probably right, but I think that they do want yeah. to add a bat, and I'm I'm just trying to trying to figure out where they're going well, to add I, that bat.
3: Well, that bat by mid-season next year might be Colton Cowser. That's, you know? yeah, that's
0: that's an excellent point. That is an excellent yeah. point. And finally, Stan, do you think that the Orioles the, the the bullpen ran out of gas? A lot of guys had career highs in innings and innings pitched coming out of that pen. I think that CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, Brian Baker and Felix Batista are all safe for next year. Do you anticipate the, the team targeting relievers this offseason or do you think that they're going to build that bullpen from within with guys like Mike Ballman, Austin Bother, uh others who we aren't even thinking about right now?
3: Yeah, uh, my gut tells me that uh, they're going to make make a move or two in the bullpen. Yeah. So, I, I'll tell you the guy the, I'll tell you the guy I've slightly soured on is Dylan Tate. Yeah, uh, I I, lo- I love his stuff, but boy, doesn't it seem like he comes in with a two- or three-run lead and he, and he either gives it up via by, by home run or he gives up like he did the other night, comes into a tie game and gives up a home run in it the night. It seems ninth like he inning, gives up a big, uh, big home run inning. pretty frequently. It, yeah, uh, very frequently, I, and I think he has value. Uh, so, again, you t- you talk to a team – You know, uh, like Minnesota, who has all kinds of bullpen woes, even though, you know, um, and you suddenly start talking to them about Mateo and Tate and Hayes or something. You know, Mm -hmm. some, again, a a three-for-one. I I don't do the work of thinking exactly what we get in return. I just think that Tate is a guy that has value that I think that the club can do better than. Um, And I think they need... I think they need to do better. Then I think he, he, to me, he's he's good on the verge of being great, and I don't know that he's ever going to be great. I just think he recedes from greatness. You know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I I kind of agree with you. People talk about how how electric his stuff is, but it seems like he's always giving up. Uh, the, the big hit at the at the in yep. time. He's so, only given yep, up
1: six yep. home runs over 65 games, but I I do feel like it's it's been especially lately towards the end of the season where he's coming in a lot of big situations and certainly hasn't
4: yeah, no, performed they, look, his best. And they
3: may and they may know better that hey, if we add another guy and he's in less innings, if he's in 57 innings, and you know innings pitched is one thing. How many times these guys get up to warm up? You know, is another thing. Yeah. And while there've been, while there have been great strides made on the starting pitching, you know, it had its moments this year when Kramer and Both and Watkins and Lyles were all really going well. Um, there was still an awful lot of games where by the fourth inning they needed new pit, you know, a yeah. new pitcher in the game or something like that. So maybe, maybe they're closer to it and can say, you know, yeah, we we see that, Stan, what you're talking about, but we feel that we get better at the starting pitching end of things, have a true ace and a true number two, Um, you know. Because Jordan Wilds, serviceable. Um, Luke Jackson last night texted me late late last night, you know, the Braves re-signed Charlie Morton next year, a one-year, $20 million contract. That's what good teams are paying for guys that they're really confident in. You know that uh, that they're not willing to invest three or four years in, but one year twenty million dollars. Jordan Lyles is eleven million dollars,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: it opens your eyes as to whether do you want Jordan Lyles at at eleven, or is there somebody better that's two years at sixteen a year? You know, yeah. I think me personally, I think I opt. To try and get better than Jordan
0: Wilds. Yeah, I, I, it's, we're all going to we're going to see it all here in, in the next couple of months. It's, it should be an interesting yeah. and exciting.
3: it's going inter- to be an interesting all season. Yep, yeah, yep. lots Stan, to
0: talk about. What do you have coming up this week?
3: Uh, I've got a I got a Zoom tomorrow. Uh, I mean Monday with Ross, and I'm going to try to do it. Whatever the weather looks like, I was going to try and accomplish it at like four in the afternoon, so I could get down there because it sounds like the weather is going to be awful this week.
2: You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So
3: I've got that, and then I, my Thursday Zoom will be at its regular time, uh, so we'll, we'll get something done. Done. You know. All
2: right. Sounds so I'm good. plugging
3: this um, plugging this five star event uh, out in Cecil County at Fair Hills, which is coming up the 13th through the 16th. It's a world renowned event. There's only seven of them in the world. Um, two in the US, Kentucky and Maryland have it. And uh it's gonna it's gonna grow over the years to be a pretty special event. So I urge people to try and go out there. Thursday and Friday is what's known as the dressage, which is sort of like figure skating uh for, for horses.
2: Mm-hmm. Then
3: Saturday they have that tremendous cross country event. And then Sunday they've got the show jumping thing, so it's a, it's really an interesting, interesting event.
0: Absolutely. All right, Sam, we are up against so it. We got, we got to run, but we will talk to you next all weekend. Right.
3: All right. All right. Talk soon. Bye. See you
0: that was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week every Monday night Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball and every Thursday night Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports Stan had a busy week as he and Ross caught up with a former Oriole Bill Swaggerty while he and Gary chatted with world class eventing writer Joe Meyer about the upcoming Maryland 5 star you can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressbox sports or at pressboxonline.com slash video and Stan and Ross We'll be back with the Zoom probably around 4 o'clock, as Stan alluded to, on Monday with another great show. Guests to be determined. we got to catch our first break. Today's show has been brought to you by the Maryland Five, so you can come see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star Fair Fairhill, presented by Brown Advisory. That's on October 13th through the 16th in Cecil County. When we come back from Inside Access on 105.7, the fan, Kim Wyman, joins us sh- Joins the show next on the battle round.
4: Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports.
5: What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus
6: Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Greg H. Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 105.7 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at
7: pressboxonline.com slash bowser.
4: The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. That
8: first sip.
4: United States citizen possess a valid driver's license and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent the Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer
8: whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect Highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today
4: tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today
7: Boulevard.
0: All right, welcome back to the Bat round We are into hour number two of the program. Hour number one of the Bataround is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines, and you can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Joining us now on the bat It's been a while since we've had him on, and we're going to try and better that here in the future. From Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan, he is Ken Wyman, and he's live with us now on the bat Ken, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you? I'm
6: good, man. How are you guys?
0: We're doing really well. Doing really well. Kind of a bittersweet morning for us, right? Because the Orioles pick up their 81st victory last night to ensure their first non-losing season since 2016. But about an hour, hour and a half after that game ended, the Seattle Mariners walked off the Oakland Athletics, and that combined with the Rays' victory over the Astros earlier in the evening, eliminated the Orioles from postseason contention. What are your feelings there? The Orioles get that 81st victory, but they're eliminated from postseason contention.
6: Yeah, actually, I'm okay with it. This team ran out of gas down the stretch. September into October has not been great now. October today. But September has not been great. And I think some of the guys, the overuse of the bullpen and actually some of these young guys dealing with games that matter or pressure games for the first time, I think, I think we started to see things spray a little bit. They really didn't hit for a few weeks, which mm-hmm. hurt them. Uh, the fact of the matter is they weren't expected to be good this year. I think they're ahead of schedule and I'm still really excited about the future. So, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs this year, but it wasn't about, it never was about just trying to win a wild card this year. It was about being a competitive, not a competitive team, a contending team for the next five to seven to ten years. And I think they're on track for that.
0: So, and your overall sentiment then for this season is, I mean, they're going to be th- more than 30 games better than they were last year. Have, uh, probably about 30 games better than they were last year. The overwhelming sentiment has to be, this was a remarkable season for a team that lost 110 games last year.
8: Well, yeah,
6: I just saw a stat this morning the, uh, for our team that lost 110 games the year before. The only other teams that have been close to this successful were teams that played in the 1890s. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is this has been a ridiculously successful year, and we 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 finally got to see Adley. We got to see Gunner. Uh, you see guys that like Jordan Lyles. I think was better than we thought he was going to be. Yep. Uh, DL Hall is here. I hope they give Grayson a start on Monday or Tuesday. There's a lot to be excited about if you're an Oriole fan.
0: You mentioned DL Hall. He came on last night, picked up his first career save in dominant fashion. He struck out two in a one, two, three, nine through nine of 13 pitches for strikes. Do you th- believe that DL Hall should still be viewed as a starter moving forward, or was last night more of a glimpse of where he ultimately ends up, in your opinion?
6: Uh I I think they still look at him as a starter. I don't think that's going to be where he ends up. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a high high leverage reliever just that that's just my opinion. Um if he is a starter that's great. I just think he He's probably, just his style of pitching, I I just think he's better suited for high leverage bursts of relief, which, you know, if he can be an Andrew Miller type of guy, that's pretty incredible, too. Andrew Miller was originally a starter, and he was a big part of the uh, Miguel Cabrera trade when he was a starter. And then that flamed out, and he became one of the top relievers in baseball for for a number of years. So I I think D.L. Hall still will be a, a big contributor, but no, I do not see him as a starter.
0: Another guy you also mentioned there when highlighting the season was Gunnar Henderson, and man, can <laughs> he burst on the scene since coming up at the end of August? What is his ceiling? I mean, this guy looks like he's gonna, he's got to be the front runner for Rookie of the Year next year.
6: Yeah, his ceiling. Well, you know what's funny? People were mad, there were people that were mad that the the Orioles. I almost said Ravens. The Orioles took uh, Adley over Bobby Witt, and I thought Adley was a no brainer, mm-hmm. but. Crazy enough, they might have got Natalie and Bobby Witt in the same draft because Gunnar Henderson, if he's a shortstop, he's a third base, we'll see. But, man, oh, man, my dad and I, it was cool enough. We were in Cleveland for his debut, saw him hit the home run. Uh, I think this kid, the sky's the limit. And I said on our show a couple weeks ago, uh, Gunnar and Adley are giving me Eddie and Cal vibes. And Eddie and Cal, you know, Eddie came up in the, in the late 70s. Cal didn't come up, what, 81, 82 was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And by 89, they were apart. But these guys came up the same year. And I just, I foresee the next seven to 10 years, these two just being the, the heart of this Orioles
0: lineup. Yeah, I, I think you're looking at guys who are going to hit 3 4 for, like you said, seven to 10 years and maybe even battling with each other in MVP. Considerations that these are two incredibly talented players. A lot of talented guys on the team. A lot of ta- talented guys coming through the the system. Now, a lot of times you see a rebuilding team hire a guy to be the manager to kind of get you through the rebuild, and then when it's time to contend, you ultimately end up going with somebody who has more experience and knows how to win once they get to the playoffs. And that brings me to Brandon Hyde. Uh, people have been very critical of Hyde, myself included, for some of his lineups and how he kind of holds the hands of the pitchers in his rotation. How much input do you think the front office actually has on the daily lineups and the pitchers he uses? Because the excuses I hear are that he's kind of just a puppet and they tell him who to put out there every single day.
6: Well, as far as the in game pitching decisions, I don't know, but I fight with my co host about this. I, I think that he has input, on uh, excuse me, he gets input on the lineup. Like I can remember, I can remember uh, a couple of years ago, they were talking about it during the world series that Dave Roberts gets a line, uh, lineup input. Like he doesn't put together the lineup by himself. And I think all these analytical teams, like they go to like, we joke, it's called like the supercomputer helps spit out the lineup. And I do get frustrated with some of these lineups, and that lineup they put out what the other day that had nobody in it, and they lost right. the Red Sox with three to one was disgusting. When you still had a, a half a shot at the playoffs, I'd rather he staggered the days off and t- then give everybody the day off on the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I'm I'm not sure about my long story short. I'm not sure about Brandon Hyde. The one thing like different than Houston and others like Brandon Hyde. And, my, and Mike Elias, from everything I've heard, are on the same page. So I don't know if he's going to be the stand-in. I think next year we're going to find out for sure because this team is going to have expectations from the jump that they were not expected to be any good this year. And for the first time in July and August and September, he managed games that meant something. Uh, does he always do the right thing? I, I, I don't think so. I think he had a bit of a Joey Crable fetish when that thing looked like it had failed a while before. Right. But the problem had become... He, because once you traded uh, Jorge Lopez the bullpen became thin and, and I, I don't have a problem with trading where I live because I thought it was smart. I thought it was smart to trade both him and Mancini. Right. But once you trade him, you had one less arm in the bullpen. And now that, but you can't throw Dylan Tate and, and Sino Perez and Phil F- Batista every single day. Somebody else has to get out for you at some point. And unfortunately he would pick the guys that couldn't get it done. And, They lost some games that probably they could have or should have won, and if they win those games, maybe they're still alive in this thing. But I'm still unsure about Brandon Hyde, and I think we're going to find out next season.
0: Do you have an issue with the way he's handled his starting rotation, where he's removing guys at five and a third innings at 70 pitches uh, because they get they let somebody get on base or so they've gone six innings of two hit ball and because they're at 86 pitches he doesn't let them come back out for the seventh i felt like he just babied that rotation down the stretch when he should have been asking for a little bit extra out of them
6: well, you know, to me, that's also, that's analytics, too. Now, I, I gotta, can't remember the specific situations, but I do remember Kevin Cash taking Blake Snell out of a World Series yeah. game because they, they were about to come, uh, the lineup was about to go through the third time. And, of course, that's an analytics no-no. So, I, I just think that sometimes these teams, and granted, how much we're, we're nitpicking here because – Hell, what Michael Elias has done in, in a quick amount of time, and, and especially when you think the COVID year set him back a year, sure. is incredible. But I think these analytical franchises, and there are a lot of them now, they rely so much on the numbers, and they all think that, when, that it's better to bring in a fresh pitcher than let a guy face the lineup for a third time. And, and sometimes, yeah, I'd like to see them – let the guys fight and get out of a jam, especially like in a, in a game in the middle of July. I, I want to see if the kid can get out of a jam instead of going to the bullpen. But I think the babying, that's a front office, in my opinion, that's a front office edict.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's an analytics and a matchup thing too. And sometimes I just think that they, that they overmatch up. For example, Kyle Stowers uh, just can't get into the lineup against a lefty, but yes. <laughs> he homers off a lefty the other day. Today they're facing Nestor Cortez and he's nowhere to be found.
6: Yeah, I the uh, I, I when they picked up Jesus Aguilar, I'm like, okay, an extra bat, maybe he can get, he can, he can find himself into a few home runs in this pennant race, maybe almost like when the Orioles picked up Jim Tomey in right. what 2014, 2012, but, yeah. to, to, 2012, sorry, That's but right. uh, I uh, yeah, um, but to play him over Kyle Stowers or to pull Stowers for Aguilar when they, when they bring in a lefty and then Aguilar flies out on the first pitch. I'm like, let the kid take, get some at-bats against lefties. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? I, I do feel like there's a lot of, of the over, emphasis on the numbers sometimes mm-hmm. instead of just looking at two human beings.
0: And that was in the fifth inning, Ken, when they when they pulled Kyle yeah. Stower. The, the fifth inning. <laughs> the, the, it was the one lefty they were going to face and they pull him in the fifth inning. It was I I'm, I'm with you on that one. Jorge Mateo. He's played gold glove caliber uh defense at shortstop. He's among the league leaders in stolen bases. The bats not playing. He hit two fifty in July and two seventy seven in August and you figure you thought maybe this former top prospect has figured it out at the plate. He's hitting about 190 in September, and his on-base percentage has never been high. You have guys like Gunnar Henderson, uh, who's already on the roster, Jordan Westburg, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, who are likely to be here next year if they're not traded. Um, how safe is Jorge Mateo's job at shortstop? Do you think he should just be handed the job for next year, or should it be a healthy competition?
6: My understanding is the front office loves him. That mm-hmm. said, I've seen way too many bad at bats from him down the yeah. stretch. It's not just about getting outs; it's the quality of the at bats when he gets out. Uh, uh, he's a great shortstop, but I—if I, they put Gunner at short, or I think they're going to spend money on some hitting. Like if they go out and get a free agent shortstop, uh, I think they're going to trade for a pitcher and, and, and buy a bat or, or two. Uh, you know, Mike Elias—if you listen to him when he talks. He's incredibly candid, almost too candid. He said they got tons of payroll flexibility, and it's liftoff time. I expect to see them – like, top stove is going to be interesting for the Orioles for the first time in a very long time. And I, I do not think Jorge Mateo is safe. You know, there are some that say, well, let him bat ninth, and, and the defense plays, and that's fine. But if it's Gunnar Henderson, if it's uh, Joey Ortiz, if it's free agent player X, who all can play a an above average shortstop and the bat plays better? I don't know. Now, now can Jorge Mateo be a super utility guy? Maybe, mm-hmm. but if, if I'm running the Orioles, I, I I've I've lost a lot of confidence. To Jorge Mateo down the stretch.
0: I did. I did too. It's it's it, Ken. It seems like he has no idea where the strike zone is. He has no idea what a strike is at at, at this point in the season, which is mm-hmm. troubling to me. And then you know, and and <clears throat> let's talk about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's talk about this upcoming offseason. I agree. I think that they're going to go out and spend some money, whether it's through trade, whether it's through free agency. At the top of my wish list is Aaron Judge. I know that's a pipe dream. I think that's the guy. That, that's the one guy that you can put into the middle of your lineup that imposes fear on everybody, and that wall is not going to be an issue for him. But he's going to cost mm. $50 million a year, and I'm well aware mm. of that. Your expectations for this offseason, you just laid them out for me. What's the kind of player you think that they're going to bring in here?
6: Well, so, so a couple of guys. Uh, I'll tell you a couple of guys that Jason Michaelis mentions, like a Gene Segura, Mitch Haniger, guys that he mentions. I got a sneaky one for you, and I know he's a guy that they flirted with. They never made an offer, but they flirted with him last year. I think Carlos Correa is on the table for these guys. I think that uh, um, um, uh, Elias drafted him. I think he has a good relationship with him. I think if you give him a four-year deal with, you know, a deal that has an opt-out after three to four years. I think that's something that could be on the table for them. I don't know if they're going to be in the mix for Aaron Judge. I don't know that they want to spend uh, that kind of money. Uh, though I think, for, I think they're also in the next year I think they're going to try to get Adley and Gunner signed to massive extensions as well. Mm-hmm. So that there's going to be money spent. So uh, I, but I do think they're going to spend real money this offseason. I don't think that they believe in giving 150 to $200 million to a pitcher. I think they're going to trade for a pitcher. Maybe it's a Corbin Burns, maybe it's a Pablo Lopez, but I think they've got so much in the farm that they're going to trade some of, some of the surplus for an arm.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that we've kind of seen the writing on the wall that the pitcher's probably coming via a trade. They have so much capital to trade here uh, as far as players are concerned with this, within this organization. I, I agree with you. The pitching's coming over in a trade. Now, you mentioned Carlos Correa, and he just went to a, to a pitcher's ballpark, and the home runs, he had, what, 22, 23 home runs this year. He's, he's a, he's a mm. good player. Do you think that that wall in left field scares him off from signing with Baltimore?
6: Does it scare him? I don't think so. I, th- I, I think that he probably doesn't love it, but I think here's, the, here's what I know. I know that Carlos Correa has hit massive, big-time home runs in the postseason. I think that's a guy that when you look at taking the next step, you want a guy that, that has World Series experience, that has won a World Series, has been to multiple postseason games, that has hit, had key hits to win postseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of guy that I think is incredibly intriguing to me. And don't get me wrong, Aaron Judge is great. But Aaron Judge hasn't played in as many postseason games as Carlos Correa. And I, I don't think Carlos – what's Carlos Correa, 27, 28 years old? I think like, he's 29, I, yeah. Th- yeah, like I – that's, to me, when I'm looking at a team, and he's got an opt-out after this year, and he's, I don't think he's staying in Minnesota – so I think that's the sneaky guy to me. Because my understanding is they did talk. They never made an offer. You know, there were some rumors of some offers being made. But the, the understanding I have is they ne- they never made an offer, but they did talk to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I think Mike Elias is a Carlos Correa fetish, and it wouldn't shock me if uh, if that guy ended up in Oriole.
0: Oh, trust me. I'm not going to complain if Carlos Correa is wearing, uh, <laughs> wearing the orange and black on opening day next year. That's for sure. And, and finally, Ken, realistic expectations for 2023. Is this a team that can, are you just looking for them to get to the playoffs next year? Do you want to, do you expect them to get to the playoffs and make some noise next year? Well, well, so here's,
6: I'm not going to cop out, but I can't answer that until I see what they do. Sure. But my expectation, my expectation is they're a playoff team next year. Like I I, like, it wasn't a coincidence that they were above 500 from the point they brought Adley Rutschman up. Adley Rutschman, it was everything they could have wanted and more, and knock on wood, that kid stays healthy. He's going to be the best catcher in baseball for the next seven to ten years, and he's an alpha, and he's a leader, and I think he's a difference maker. I think Gunner is a difference maker, but now they got to sprinkle some pieces And I think they need a bat or two in that lineup, uh, some pro guys that know how to uh, take professional at-bats. Guys, Let's face it, as much as we love everybody that's in this lineup, they, you look at the lineup, and they didn't hit. Nope. And I think they got some questions this offseason. is Austin Hayes part of the future. You know, uh, Ryan Mountcastle struggled at the time this year, though. I loved him at first base. His glove uh, plays. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I think that I think he's a real player, but they've got guys coming like Kobe Mayo is probably going to be a first baseman, not a third baseman. They got a lot of guys coming in the outfield, like uh, Colton Cowser is going to be here. You got Connor Norby, Jordan Westbrook. Some of these guys are getting traded this mm-hmm. offseason. That's the reality. But And here's the other crazy part they really haven't started to see anything from their Dominican Academy yet. And that's something that just keeps on churning and it's something that this organization ignored forever, which drove me crazy. Yeah. So you, the fact that they have the number one farm system in baseball and they've got nothing from Latin America is, is frankly incredible. So the, this thing's going to keep on going. Uh, it's once some of these guys graduate, they might not be the best farm system in baseball anymore. Plus they're going to trade some guys, but they're still going to have a really strong farm and I think they're going to use it to their advantage and some of these guys are going to end up here and some guys that are on this team right now that fans like might not be here a year from now.
0: No, I, I, we, we, we talk about this all the time on, on this show, Ken, is that we really believe that people need to get on board with the fact that there's going to be a lot of players that you like that aren't going to be Baltimore Orioles next year and people mm-hmm. need, to, need to prepare themselves for that. What do you got coming up on Inside Access next week?
6: Oh, well, it's... We'll be we'll, uh, we'll be talking a lot about the uh, the O's and a lot about the Ravens. Obviously, Ravens Bills Sunday that will be uh, the the main topic. I'm sure on Monday as we we see the Ravens and Bills play. I know it's a baseball show, but it's going to be it's going to be football heavy yeah. on Monday with that Ravens Bills game tomorrow.
0: Who you got in that game? I so uh, I took the Ravens forty one thirty six. Yeah, I I'm I'm thinking something similar. I think that um a I don't think they want to lose five straight at home. MB, no. I think that that all they've heard all offseason to start this year is that the Bills are the team to be and Josh Allen's the MVP favorite and I think that they have something for him on Sunday
6: for And sure. the other thing is that th- three of those four games were quarterbacked by Tyler Huntley. If Lamar right. Jackson if healthy Lamar Jackson is quarterbacking those three games, they likely win those three games. True. But here we are uh, with four straight losses.
0: Absolutely. Ken, thank you so much for taking some time for us. We'll try and make it not so long in between visits next time. Have a great weekend. Hey, no worries anytime. See ya. That was Ken Wyman joining us here on the Bat Around. Always great talking with Ken. Ken's been doing shows with me um, since the payoff pitch in 2018. Yeah. So, um, or 28, no, 2019. Excuse me, 2019. So, um, always glad to have Ken on the show. And he's as passionate an Orioles fan as, as you're going to get. He had this epic rant about the Orioles. I want to say it was in 2016 or 2017. It may have been 2017. He went absolutely off to start his afternoon show, and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard on Baltimore Sports I think really. I remember uh, that vaguely. Uh, yeah. He went yeah. he went off, and it, it was like a solid 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and it was, I loved every bit of it. It showed <laughs> the passion. It was like the passion that I feel, and it was like, yes, finally somebody's saying it. So it was always glad to have Ken Wyman on the show. Uh, Ken's segment was brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show. The next Tyus Bowser Show is this Tuesday, October 4th at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars. while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. So we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery for the Tyus Bowser Show on October 4th. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership, a press box, and Great H memorabilia, and brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new... Ginsu Grill. And if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser Show, you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 1057 The Fan. It is now time for Sounding Off with Zach Goodman. Today's uh, Sounding Off segment is brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. And again, you can see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star Fair, presented by Brown Advisory. That's October 13th through the 16th in Cecil County. Zach, what do you got for us today?
1: Yeah, I almost want to pose this again as more of a discussion with you about your feelings on this because it is a controversial topic and it's one I've covered before on Sounding Off and it's one that I feel needs to be updated. People need to be updated with the latest information on this. So what I'm talking about right now is the minor league baseball pitch clock. Um, It was implemented a few years ago and it's something that's going to be implemented to major league baseball in 2023 as a part of honestly sweeping changes. And I talked about all of those changes. If you go back, I think two or three shows ago, I did a a whole segment about that. Mm -hmm. I've been been always a supporter of the pitch clock that's something that i've always found is going to bring in the long run i don't think you'll see maybe you won't see returns on this immediately but i think it's going to increase viewership especially among younger generations because if you look at the attention span of people my age Mm -hmm. and uh, especially people younger than me um they're pretty short and that's why a lot of i think people my age you know gravitate towards more of the action sports basketball football sports that not that football is basically like two hours of commercials and one hour of actual, <laughs> actual football to be fair but i i think baseball can be really slow for a lot of people and i think having a pitch clock and shortening the game by a significant amount is really going to help baseball in the long run and if you look at what the early returns are on this in minor league baseball, they actually cut off 25 minutes on average mm-hmm. this year compared to last year. It went down from three hours and one minute to two hours and uh, around 38 minutes. So that's a big change. That's a yeah. really significant big change. And That's I, a whole I, episode of The Office. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a while. And I think two hours and 38 minutes, which, again, the average length of a minor league baseball game this year, is a lot more watchable for a lot of people than three hours plus. Once you get to three hours plus, I think people really start to lose interest. So I think that if this starts to happen in Major League Baseball, where you're getting games at, you know, two hours, 30 minutes, two hours, 40 minutes, you're going to see a lot of people start to gravitate towards baseball and watch it a little more and actually pay attention for the entire time. I mean, I know a lot of people who watch you know, the first four innings of a baseball game. Maybe they'll turn it back on in the ninth inning if their team is winning. Um, and maybe their attention span just doesn't last. Two hours and thirty-eight minutes is a significant improvement to me, um, and a regulation-length MLB game, according to Baseball Reference, have not—they've not checked in as short um, as two hours and forty minutes since the 1985 season. That's a long time yeah. ago. And, you know, baseball, if you look at back in the 80s, was definitely a little more popular, a little more um, driven by younger folks than it is now. So I think it's going to be really big for baseball uh, when this pitch clock is implemented, among the other rule changes. And again, if you want to learn about those, I talked about them a few weeks ago. But I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be really good for baseball. I-, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, though.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. O- overall, I think that it is important to... Um, I'm-, I'm sorry, I'm-, I'm having some like technical difficulties here with my the technical difficulties on, on my end because I'm the one who's using this. Mu- a, my, mic stand <laughs> just, my microphone just keeps dipping on me. I and, see it, and, and I see it. I don't it. know what's going on here. It just decided that it doesn't want to stand up today. And I'm trying to like put something into my notes and I'm hitting the wrong buttons and all sorts of things. But anyway, I do think a pitch clock is needed. I'm glad that it's going to be here. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to cut 25 minutes off of, off of the game because you also have to think that they have a ton of sponsors, right? And so mm-hmm. they have to hit their commercials, right? Um, I don't like that you can only throw over to first base twice. I don't. I, I think that that's stupid. I think that's probably one of the dumbest rules that they're ever going to put into baseball. But I'm all for a pitch clock because, look, I've never been somebody who complains about the length of games. I love baseball. Yeah. I love knowing that I'm going to sit down at 7 o'clock and watch baseball till 10, 10.30. I, I love that. I do complain. You had that Astros-White Sox playoff game last year. Mm-hmm. They had been playing for three hours. It was the fifth inning. Yeah, exactly. They had been yep. playing for three hours, and it was the bottom of the fifth inning. Right, and, and I think that that's a huge problem. Every Yankees Red Sox game, when both teams are competitive, takes four and a half hours. That's an issue, right? And that's one of the reasons why they they put the three pitch minimum, or three yeah. batter minimum, in for relievers is to speed up the process of the game because of stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know that we're ever going to see two-and-a-half-hour to two-hour and 40-minute games uh, on average in Major League Baseball again, but you can get that number significantly under three hours, yeah. and that's fine for me. The, I, the Orioles in their three complete games, I think, they're, the, I think they had a couple of games that were like two-and-a-half hours long mm-hmm. in, in, in that stretch. So totally okay with the pitch clock. I think it's, it's, it's a good idea, and look, when I, again, I play baseball. I think if you listen to the show long enough, you know that I've mentioned it enough that I play baseball and I pitch. When I'm on the mound, I don't need time. I want the ball, get the ball back to me and let me throw my next pitch. I'm ready to go. And I I want pitchers in the big leagues to be like that you know what you want to throw, you know the pitch you need to throw in this particular situation, you have the confidence you're going to get that guy out, then let's get to it. Mm-hmm. We don't need to wait 30 seconds between pitches.
1: I agree. I think my only concern with that, and maybe this is just playing devil's advocate here, but the arm care over an entire season of a guy just constantly going and going and going and having really no time to rest in between pitches. I wonder about how that may play out over 162 games where a guy just doesn't have enough time to you know kind of reset his body before the next pitch. Yeah. It may not be a valid argument because I don't, I don't think we I saw. Under,
2: I,
0: I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I just we baby pitchers so much. W- certainly, we, we, yeah. We baby pitchers in Major League Baseball so much. Nolan Ryan was throwing 108 miles an hour in the 60s and 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. and he was throwing over three. He was throwing over 300 innings. He was and striking yeah. out over 300 guys. Uh, like you don't have guys throwing 108 right now. No. All right, and. Th- th- there's concern over their arm. You- you're at 90 pitches through f- through five and the third innings. You got to be out of the game. You've thrown 96 pitches through seven. You're done. Like we we we, we baby people. Mm-hmm. We baby these players so much. They are professional athletes. Modern medicine, the technological advancements that we have in um, in physical therapy and stuff like that. These guys should be at the peak of physical condition. Way better than what you had in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Just stop holding their hands. Let them go pitch. People are going to get hurt regardless. And honestly, I think by babying somebody, you're putting more stress on their arm because they... There's a point I had in there, and I lost it. <laughs> but you're, basically, if you ever need them to give you a little bit of extra, their arm's not used to it. Yeah. You have to baby these guys now because their arm's not used to it. Let's stop holding their hands. And also, I think a lot of it has to go back to the high school coaches high school coaches they don't care. No. They don't they don't Dylan Bundy is yep. a prime example. High school coaches do not care about the future of these guys. They only care about winning their next district title. And and that that's where in my opinion the main issue is with these guys arms is cuz they yep. overthrow their pitcher. They're, all these guys that pitch in the major leagues were the best pitcher in their town. Yes. Right? Their high school coaches guarantee you I guarantee you, they were the workhorses, and they carried it. They threw, they threw ninety percent of the pitches that entire season.
1: And a lot of these, you know, uh, travel ball programs, and the, especially the the younger generations now, are throwing curveballs at like seven years old. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly, I, I think it's a pattern. Once they get through high school and the youth sports, it's it, it yeah. starts to become pretty apparent early. They may have some arm injuries. Yeah, the
0: the the, the main issue for me is the, these these guys that are coaching them at a, at a young age. Not what they're doing once they get to the professional level. So very good segment. Zach, I uh, I appreciate that. We got to catch a break. Um, today's show brought to you by well, the, the Ginsu Komodo Grill, which is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. It is coming soon. You can get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. While tomorrow's is rained out, Every other Ravens home game this year, Mothers is throwing tailgate parties at Hammerjacks right next to the stadium on Russell Street. Come by starting at 9 a.m. and before, during, and after. Every Ravens home game, it's free to get in. And there's also an all-inclusive option for $49 with premium brand open bar and great food. Tickets and details are at hammerjacks.com. And while you're there, don't forget to stop by the press box Ginsu get into Girls Tent for free samples and contests. When we come back, we're going to do a new segment here on the bat round that we're calling The bet round FanDuel is a big sponsor of ours. So we are incorporating a new segment weekly called The Bet Around, where we're going to talk about the line for the Orioles game and other important games, not this week, but other important games once the playoffs start. Maybe some prop bets, maybe some futures bets. We'll get into all of that next. Ac- oh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. Next is the payoff pitch around the league, followed by The better round. All that and more next on The Bet Around. <laughs>
4: and food and drink specials. We'll
5: see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The Maryland Lottery presents Ravens Greatest Plays. 2021, the game on the line. With three seconds left, the Ravens connect on an impossibly long 66 yard field goal to beat Detroit, the longest field goal in history. Another great Ravens play belongs to Touchdown Joe from Silver Spring. Joe scratched a Ravens scratch-off and won a top prize of $100,000. You could be next. Play Ravens scratch-offs to win instant cash or enter to win great second-chance prizes. Please play responsibly.
4: See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at Maryland5star.us. 5542 You must be a United States citizen possess a valid driver's license and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer.
0: Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Vendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and v Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthall help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland. Listen at pressboxonline.com/slash radio, watch at youtube.com/slash pressboxonline.
8: Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today.
4: Tailgate. That's ginsugrills.com. Reserve yours today.
0: Alright. Wow, that's really loud. Was it that loud the entire commercial break?
1: Levels were about right. Levels were about right. It uh, always sounds louder for us. It, you
0: know what? I th- I feel like I ask this every week. <laughs> I definitely I definitely say this <laughs> it, it, every, yeah, I have it every pretty week week after the second break. Um welcome back to the Bat Around. It's time for the payoff pitch around the league, which is brought to you by the latest edition of PressBox, which is available now on the cover of both Smoker profiles, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season is now fully underway. And everything you need to know for betting football this season is in this Edition Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at pressboxonline.com. And now, the payoff pitch around the league. Jordan Lyles pitched into the eighth inning, allowing just one run on four hits while striking out a season-high nine. And Ryan Mountcastle had an RBI single in the first to ensure the Orioles. First non-losing season since 2016, as they handed the Yankees a loss 2-1. Cal Raleigh hit a walk-off homer, fr- homer, hit a walk-off homer Friday night, clinching the Mariners' first postseason since 2001, ending the longest postseason drought in American professional sports, and eliminating the Orioles from. Pre- from playoff contention as they defeated the Athletics 2-1. to one. JT Realmuto doubled and stole three bases to join Pudge Rodriguez in 1999 as the only catchers in history to hit 20 homers and steal 20 bags in one season. As the Phillies handled the Nationals 5-1 in Game 1 of a scheduled doubleheader, Game 2 was postponed due to inclement weather and is due to be made up as part of a doubleheader today, weather permitting. Nico Horner doubled and drove in three to back seven innings of one-run ball from Adrian Sampson as the Cubs uh, took down the Reds 6-1. to one. Looking to lock up home field advantage in the wildcard round, the Blue Jays handled their business with home runs from Vladdy Jr. and George Springer, plus shutout innings from Alec Manoa and a 9-0 thrashing of the Red Sox. Jose Ramirez homered and drove in three to back a quality start from Aaron Savalle as the AL Central champion. Guardians took care of the Central Cellar-Dweller Royals, although they're only a half game back of the Tigers. Carlos Correa likely playing in his final games as a twin homered and drove in two as Minnesota downed the Tigers 7-0. Jacob DeGrom gave up back-to-back home runs for the first time since 2019, allowing three runs in six innings to take the loss despite 11 Ks and zero walks as Atlanta climbed back into a first-place tie with the Mets with a 5-2 victory. Drew Rasmussen allowed just two runs over seven innings, and Yandy Diaz delivered three hits and two RBIs to help the Rays clinch their fourth straight postseason appearance with a 7-3 win over Houston, who clinched a top seed in the AL with the Yankees' loss. Corbin Burns struck out seven over eight shutout innings as the Brewers shut out the Marlins one nothing to stay just a half game behind the fight and fails for the final NL wildcard spot. Albert Pujols hit home run number 701, and Jack Flaherty allowed just one run over six innings in the Cardinals' 2 1 victory over Pittsburgh. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Taylor Ward combined for six hits, and Reed Detmer struck out nine over six one run innings to push the Angels past the Rangers 4 1. Yo Moncada drove in three, and Eloy Jimenez homered to lead the White Sox over the Padres 3 1. Mookie Betts had three hits, and Cody Bellinger hit a three run homer as the Dodgers worked the Rockies 10 1. And finally, Evan Longoria turned back the clock, homering twice and driving in five to lead the Giants over the D backs. 10 to 5. Zach, what is on tap today?
1: Evan Longoria, turn back the clock. I like that. All right, Phillies and Nats, 105 at Nationals Park. Kyle Gibson and Annabelle Sanchez, your Baltimore Orioles. They'll take on the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium as Judge looks for 62. 105, Austin Voth and Nestor Cortez, the former Oriole, go head-to-head. Reds and Cubs, Nick Lodolo, the lefty with a 3.75 ERA, and Drew Smiley, who we just talked about on the show. He's a 3.48 ERA, 2.20 at Wrigley Field. Red Sox and Blue Jays, Brian Bellow versus Ross Stripling. Stripling would be a really good ad for the Baltimore Orioles at some point down the road, 307 at the Rogers Center in Toronto. D-backs and Giants, Dre Jamison. He is a .98 ERA making what looks to be his third start of the season, 405 at Oracle Park. He'll face off against the lefty Scott Alexander. Athletics and Mariners, J.P. Sears versus Luis Castillo, the Mariners, the back in the playoffs, first time since 2001, 410 at T-Mobile Park. Royals and Guardians, Chris Bubich versus Zach Plesac, six ten at Progressive Field. That's another AL Central matchup. The Guardians are the champs of that division. Twins and the Tigers, Dylan Bundy, the former Oriole, against Drew Hutchison, six ten at Comerica Park. Phillies and Nats, game two of that doubleheader. Noah Syndergaard versus Tommy Romero, seven oh five at Nats Park for game two. Marlins and Brewers, Edward Cabrera. Be a really good ad for the Orioles there as well against Aaron Ashby who's having a bit of a rougher year. 7-10 at American Family Field, Marlins and Brewers. Pirates and Cardinals... Luis Ortiz will take on Jordan Montgomery, 715 at Bush Stadium. Rays and Astros, Shane McClanahan, who has won 12 games with a 251 ERA, will take on Christian Javier, who has a 265 ERA, 720 at Minute Maid Park. The legendary Max Scherzer takes on Kyle Wright as the Mets battle the Braves, 720 at Truist Park. Dylan Cease, one of the Cy Young frontrunners with a 206 ERA, takes on Mike Clevenger as the White Sox battle the Padres, 840 at Petco Park. Cole Raggins takes the hill for the Rangers, as Jose Suarez takes the hill for the Angels, 907 in Anaheim. And finally, final game of the night, Rockies and Dodgers, Kyle Freeland lefty versus the righty Michael Grove, nine ten at Dodger Stadium.
0: Very good. Man, can you imagine? Wouldn't it be nice to live someplace where... Your team's playing baseball in October and it's still perfect baseball weather, mm, like San yeah. Diego or LA.
1: If you have a good football team too, it's it's perfect. Like it's it's yeah. it's a great sports time in October when you have a great football team, baseball team playing playoff baseball. It doesn't get much better than that.
0: Yeah, and I think that the Orioles and Ravens next put year, Baltimore in that yeah. spot next year. This year already super super entertaining yeah. for sure. All right, it's now time for our new segment on The Better Round. This is called The Better Round. The Better Round <laughs> is brought to you By the the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast where you can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. In Hanover, Maryland. So we're going to start out pretty simple here. Um, The line for tonight's game, or this afternoon's game, with uh, the Orioles and actually just about an hour and ten minutes uh, between the Orioles and the Yankees. O's are plus 190. Yanks are minus 230. So what does that mean? That means that if you bet $100 on the Orioles to win today's game outright, you win 190 bucks. Correct. Right? Yep. So you get your hundred dollars back plus an additional one ninety, so it's a net of two ninety. Yep. Right? Um if you were to bet to take the Yankees, you would have to bet two hundred and thirty at minus two thirty, you'd have to bet two hundred and thirty dollars just to win hundred bucks. So that's what that's what that means, right? Do you follow Zach? Yeah, I follow. Okay. I follow. Very good. Some prop bets for tonight's for this afternoon's game. I'm sticking strictly with Orioles, um, with Orioles players to hit home runs today, okay. Cedric Mullins plus five twenty for a home run. Anthony Santander has the best odds at plus four eighty. Okay. Ryan Mountcastle plus five hundred. Adley and Gunner are both at plus six hundred. However, I think that those odds have probably changed on Anthony Santander because he's not in the lineup today. So let's go back and let's take a look at this on the uh, on the, at, on the fly here. So we're going to go down and we're going to look at this. We're going to see more. And let's see to hit a home run where Anthony Santander's number stands now. Anthony, he's not even listed.
1: Well, that would make sense. I mean, I guess if he gets a pinch hit appearance, that would obviously change. Yeah. But, you know, Yankee Stadium is one of those ballparks that eh, that that's a pretty good bet to make because Yankee Stadium's small. small, um, even though they're facing a lefty and they're not going to have a chance to really... Hit the the short porch for the most part.
0: Um, probably more righties in the lineup today. Still a good bet. Uh, Roof Ned O'Dor is plus nine hundred. Okay, to hit a, yeah. to, to hit a home run. So you could bet two hundred bucks and win eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, if O'Dor. I mean, yeah. you're talking about o- O'Dor who hits a ton of fly balls, right? A ton yeah. of pop ups. He pops one up just enough with just enough on it, could get it over that short porch in right field. Sure. Uh, Ryan McKenna is plus ten sixty to hit a home run today.
1: You never know. You know, uh, Against the lefty, you know, having Nestor Cortez on the hill, I could see that. And
0: he's and Cortez is a bit of a soft tosser. Yeah. Um, which might work to McKenna's advantage. You you never know. Now, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, the line for him. It's actually gone up since I put these notes in. The line for Aaron Judge to hit a 60 second home run today is plus two thirty. Bet wow. hundred bucks, win two hundred and thirty dollars. If the uh, if Aaron Judge hits number sixty two against the Orioles and their <laughs> their gassed pitching staff right now, I was gonna look for an Orioles futures bet. I was gonna try and see, um, you know, maybe Gunnar Henderson's odds to win Rookie of the Year next year, or the Orioles' odds to make the postseason. Um, there's no, there are no um, odds on that right now. I guess because this season, sure. I'm sure you could find them somewhere, but on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, there are none. Um, And we're sponsored by FanDuel, so that's what we use. There aren't any prop bets there as far as futures bets for the Orioles to make the playoffs. I do like, however, the World Series um, odds. I think that that the World Series odds are pretty cool. It's plus 1,000 if you guess the exact matchup of Yankees-Mets. So that's that's a cool one to bet on. Um, You're also going to get, let's see, what else? I saw one that that I thought I think it was a like Blue Jays over the over the over the San Diego Padres and the number was would be a fun was, World series that would be a really fun World Series uh, let's go down here and say World Series exact result Toronto Blue Jays to beat hmm Toronto Blue Jays to where where is it I just saw it Toronto Blue Jays to beat the San Diego Padres is plus seventeen thousand. <laughs> plus seventeen thousand. The Blue Jays were my pick to win the World Series. Yeah. This year. Or, not not win, but to go to the World Series and play the Dodgers. The Padres have a good pitching staff and they've got a good lineup. They do. And they're they're in the playoffs, right? So to me, it is not out of the ordinary to think that the Blue Jays, the two of the best teams in baseball, two of the best rosters in baseball, could square off in the World Series with yeah. Toronto ultimately coming out on top. Uh, you got if you send out Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman, and Jose Barrios uh, in to, to in a seven-game series to face off against the Padres, I could totally see the Blue Jays at plus seventeen thousand yeah. to beat the San Diego Padres in I the mean, World Series, that,
1: and that's in no specific amount of games, correct? That's correct. Just outright. Just outright. In, just okay.
0: outright. So. Um, I don't believe you can make these bets until Wednesday at at four oh five. Makes sense um, because I guess they have to do the seating and all that. Right. But but starting Wednesday at four oh five, you can make the bet that the Blue Jays can, will beat. put hundred put a hundred dollars down on the Blue Jays to beat the Padres in the World Series, and if it comes to fruition, you will win seventeen thousand dollars. <laughs> seventeen thousand dollars. That is absolutely insane. That's absolutely insane. I... Look, I'm not one to just throw money around, but I could I could place a hundred dollar bet for the Blue Jays to beat the yeah. Padres in the World Series sure. and come out with seventeen grand because of it. I wouldn't hate seventeen grand. Wouldn't hate it. <laughs> I almost <laughs> talked myself into a bet during golf season. Okay. Um, and it was for I want to say it was it was either for the Masters or for like the U.S. Open or something. I, I think it was a Masters. It, it was the okay. Masters. And it was for like three or four very prominent golfers to yeah. finish top forty, top. Thirty, top twenty, and top ten, and it was like a hundred bucks when you put a hundred dollar bet down, and you win two grand if it hits. And it, yeah, it was plus two thousand for that parlay, and I had to talk myself out of it. I was really glad that I did talk myself out of it because yeah. um, none of the things that I needed to have happen happened. So I, I
1: texted my friend. Speaking of golf, I texted my friend uh, about a week before the Masters, and he said. He said, who do you think is going to win the Masters? I said, I think it's going to be Scotty Scheffler or Rory McElroy. and They came in one and two. I should have bet that. I really should have bet that. Yeah. I really bet that. yeah you, you, but you, I didn't. You,
0: you wouldn't be sitting here doing the bat around today. <laughs> I, I probably you, wouldn't you, be. Uh, you'd probably have to put a significant sum of money down. That Yeah, it would have been. To, to not been. have to do anything else ever again.
1: I mean, Rory and Rory and Scotty are two, the, two of the favorites in every tournament. But yeah. still. I love Rory. Still, I'm,
0: yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Rory guy. Now, yeah. now that Tiger's gone, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Rory guy. All right. Good first segment here on the better round. Um, as we familiarize ourselves more with baseball betting, um, these will get a little bit more in-depth, more detail. and we'll, Next week, we'll be talking about playoff odds and stuff and like that. And
1: during the off-season, we'll have a ton of time to dive into it because yeah. that's what the offseason's is for.
0: So. Absolutely. Uh, Orioles Banter, we're going to keep this short today. I do want to talk a little bit about Brandon Hyde real quick. Okay. Um, a lot of teams... And you saw it with the White Sox. The White Sox got to the postseason in 2020, albeit in the truncated season. They're the next upcoming team. That roster is really, really good. They had three really solid pitchers in the season after 2020. They fire Rick Renteria. They bring in Tony La Russa to put them over the top. Didn't put them over the top. They got back to the playoffs and lost to the Astros in, I believe, the division series. Um, was it the division series or the ALCS? No, no, it was uh, the division series. It was the division series. Yeah. They lost the Astros in the division series because it was they the didn't Red, get far. It was the Red Sox and the Astros in the right ALCS. Um, a lot of times, you have a manager that's the face of the rebuild, and then once you're there, once you're back into contention, they bring in somebody who has more seasoning, who has that ex- that that playoff experience. You have guys like Joe Madden and Don Mattingly, who are available. Brandon Hyde, look, everybody says that there's input from the front office in the lineup, but I'm sure that there is with a team that you expect to do more, right? I can't imagine that the input that Brandon Hyde is getting from the lineup is getting from the front office is saying, "Don't play Kyle Stowers against left-handed pitching. Rest Mullins, Santander, Rutschman, and Arias on the same day." There's no way that that's what the front office is telling him to do, right? Um, and then I look at I look at the, the bullpen decisions. I look at bringing Joey Crabel when he's been your worst reliever in two months, and you continue to bring him in even though he continues to fail you. Um, I look at pulling a starter when they're when they're cruising because they let somebody get on base, or you don't want them to go through a lineup three times. And I get that that's analytics. I understand that much. But I, I think there has to be a, a human feel. There has to be a feel for the game, a feel for what's going on, a feel for how dominant your starting pitcher has been to this point. And also being aware of the fact that your ta- your bullpen's been pitching a lot. They've been taxed. All these guys are pitching career highs in innings and and um, appearances. Last night, there was, no, there was no reason to bring Felix Bautista in with nobody out in the eighth inning. There was no reason for that. You have D.L. Hall already in the bullpen. Bring him in. Now, he comes in in the ninth inning because it looked like there was a there was a leg issue there with Felix Bautista. But why on earth do you need Felix Bautista to get you six outs last night? I know you, you want to win, but why you need that? Why do you, you need don't. him? Exactly. You don't. To me, these are decisions. Last Saturday, you didn't need Felix Bautista for a five-out save. Yeah, You didn't need that. You're doing it. And showing the other guys in your pool, Now look, Jake Reed and Joey Crable and those guys, okay, I get that. I get that. D.L. Hall is one of your top prospects. You had an opportunity to get a win last Saturday and take the first three games in that series against the Astros and keep yourself in playoff contention by bringing D.L. Hall in to face the lefty with two outs in the ninth inning. And it's even more um, magnified when D.L. Hall comes in the next the next day and has a basis lower than two outs to face Kyle Tucker and he strikes him out. It's even more magnified then. I don't understand using a guy for six outs when you don't need to. When you have a, and it's not that you have, well, it's either him or Jake Reed. No. You ha, it was either him or DL Hall. Uh, you have an opportunity to get a win, and you're you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. And and, and I talk about this because I and somebody made a fair point. Your your, your buddy was um, on Twitter. Was it Chris Restatar, yeah, right? yeah. He made a the, the the most compelling argument to me for Brandon Hyde is that next year he's going to have a more talented roster, a, a probably a deeper bullpen, a deeper bench, and that's when you can really start to evaluate him. Um, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact tweet. It was a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um. But he was. It was in a conversation he was having with me in a Twitter thread, and. There's going to be more opportunity to see how Hyde manages with what we assume will be far better talent than even what they had this year. Um, I just I don't know that he's the guy. I, I, I think he relies so heavily on the matchups. Uh, Kyle Stowers has two plate appearances against left-handed pitching in the big leagues. He's been hit by a pitch and he's hit a home run. And he's still not in the lineup against a lefty today, despite the fact that Brandon Hyde told us That if the Orioles weren't in playoff contention, Stowers would be getting his opportunities against left-handed pitching. So, Zach, I think you've kind of started to sour a little bit too. What are your thoughts on Brandon Hyde as (sighs) the manager of the Orioles moving forward?
1: I, I will say the, the pitching definitely has bothered me in the past. I think that's something that I, especially with the short leash on starters, that really bothered me. Um, more so prior to this year. I don't know if I noticed it as much this year because I was more upset with different things he was doing. Um, the punt lineups, I hate it. Mm-hmm. But I do want the Orioles to get to the point where they don't have to have punt lineups like the Dodgers do where you can throw out all your bench guys and they're still good enough to win you ballgames. And I think the Orioles will get there soon and I hope they get there. Um, so I, I want Brandon Hyde to not be able to throw out punt lineups, but the fact that he does, and he does so often, I think really hurts the team, and that's mm-hmm. when I really started to sour on him. I think you know in August when they started to, to become serious in this playoff race, and he's throwing out lineups that simply don't give you the chance to win the game. And I know yeah. you got to rest guys, but you don't have to rest them all in the same day. Mm-hmm. I'd rather give you know seventy five percent, um, you know for for three days instead of 25% for one day if you know what I mean like to strengthen mm-hmm. the lineup I'd rather give a 75% strong lineup than a 25% for one day it, you got to spread it out a little bit you can't just simply punt one game away I hate right. that philosophy
0: I I I can't stand it I can't stand it and to have Austin Hayes batting fourth and Ryan McKenna batting fifth what are you thinking I what are you yeah. thinking yeah. McKenna has two home runs all year right and Austin Hayes has like Two home runs since the, the the beginning of July. That's the middle Three of, the, of the order we're talking about. What I mean, that's... Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, someone said that,
1: AJ, comments on our show a lot, he said, these are archaic matchups he's following. He, lo- he Brandon Hyde loves these archaic matchups, and Kyle Stowers is just a perfect example of why he should have to, or he should be evolving, and he should be saying, okay, let's take these splits that he put up in the
0: minor leagues and, and give him a shot. He had a 986 OPS against left-handed yeah. pitching this year. And the year before, nine fifty two. Yeah. So what are we doing? I'm sorry, nine fifty one. So what are we doing? What and and, yeah. and you have a short porch in right field. Yeah. You have a short porch in right field. You have Gunnar Henderson leading off, which okay, I'm fine with you have set. C- have Cedric Mullins batting sixth. Kyle Sowers is on the bench. Why on earth would a you not bat Kyle Sowers and b not bat him fourth today?
1: Yeah. Fourth or fifth? I I totally agree and I I think that something like as simple as splits should be considered and should be taken into account. And I'm not sure why he, he hasn't looked at that yet. But, um, you know, the, the Blue Jays, they fired their manager. They got better. Um, that's what AJ just commented, and he's completely right there. So I agree. I, I think that it, Brandon Hyde has definitely been a little bit of a liability, uh, especially down the, in this this late part of the playoff run. But I think inevitably he's the manager in 2023. Um, and if he does a terrible job and, and things aren't going well, uh, maybe they, they turn to someone
0: else. I look at uh Adley Rutschman. He's batting third and he's DH'ing. Which he's Adley Rutschman. I, I yes, bat him third, keep his bat in the line by by DHing him with Torino's playing today. Yeah. But against left handed pitching this year, Adley Rutschman's batting one seventy nine. He's yeah. slashing one seventy nine, two eighty eight, two seventy four with a five sixty two OPS. Yeah. Like you're 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 putting a three four Five that doesn't give you an opportunity, right? Uh, Correct. N- now watch, all three of them will hit home runs <laughs> today, right? But you have no Santander who is close to a three hundred hitter from the right side. Yeah, you have no Kyle Stowers,
1: so questionable. Why? Why? Uh, Especially in the Santander front. I mean, that's that's he's been very hot as of late too, very hot. You mm-hmm.
0: know, I don't know. Uh, uh, Odor is playing. He's a, bat Odor fourth. A left-handed bat with power. Yeah, like and I, I don't actually want them to bat Ruf Neto fourth, but I would understand it over Austin Hayes, maybe a lot more <laughs> than Austin Hayes and Ryan McKenna like. This is the <sighs> Hayes and McKenna four five today. Hayes and McKenna four five today. And again, they're they're not they're they're out of it. Right? No. They 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 have been eliminated from postseason contention. You want them to play really strong the final Five games so that they can have the best record. Thank you. I felt like I was low. So that they can have bit. the um, best record possible at the end of the season. Uh, this lineup is it, come on. It's man. brutal. Come it's on, brutal. Man. And, and it's people like well. And, and I heard somebody um, one of one of the Orioles guys, um, Orioles journalists or beat writers or whatever, making the excuse that well, Brendan Hyde knows that he can bring those guys in off the bench in the middle of the game if the Orioles not to start out in the fifth inning. Okay, but you could also put them in the lineup to start the game. And, and help, have them for the entire and, game. And have sure. them for the entire game. Yeah. They, like t- Taking Kyle Stowers out because of one left-handed reliever who's not going to throw more than an inning yeah. in the fifth inning. Yeah. You know, and then having Jesus Aguilar pop out or fly out on the first pitch. Now, he got a single later in the game, but uh, I digress. I, I don't think it's a guarantee that Brandon is going to be the manager of this team next Interesting. year. Okay. Interesting. I I said that... I. I think that we're undervaluing um, how much they might just be evaluating him with his lineup and roster decisions. I I, I think that starting next year you will see more hands on from the front office with lineup input. I don't know how how much I just I can't believe that he, that he puts lineups out like this and the the front office has an input on that. I, I can't believe that I can't believe that Hyde Elias and Sigma Dell will all be in agreement to put to post a lineup like they did today. I just I can't I can't believe. That's a thing. Um, we'll talk about the, eh, the postseason is going to start between now and our next show. Yeah. I don't know what the matchups are right now. I think they still have to work out seating, seating and, yeah. and, and all that, so we, we don't really know. Um, but the the AL playoff picture is set. You've got the Yankees, the Guardians, and the Astros as your division winners with yep. the Blue Jays, Rays, and um, the Mariners. Ains as your playoff uh, as your wild card teams the blue jays still have something to play for they're playing for the number 1 uh wild card seed so they would have all 3 games if it needed 3 games of that wild card series in toronto who do you who do you see coming through for the american league to make it to the world series who so early world series prediction here mm-hmm. okay
1: um I did. I, I did predict Toronto at the beginning of the year, but I, I see some things right now, um, and they've lost some pitchers. You know, Ryu being out for the year, and they've mm-hmm. lost some guys. I don't know if I feel super confident in them.
0: Give me the Yankees. Give me the Yankees. I think the Yankees are not okay. getting to the World Series. I, I, I don't know that they'll get to the ALCS. I think that they've they've been strong recently. I don't think that they have the starting pitching to hold up. Okay. Um, and I think that if you take Judge out of that lineup, there's a lot of holes.
1: So I, I think the Rays are the weakest here. I, I yeah. think by a significant margin.
0: I, I think the Astros' lineup is weak. Yeah, I, I agree the, with the, that. The, uh, when, when the Orioles played them, I was looking at their lineup, and I'm like, there's a lot of like, yeah, It's is, is Jose Altuve, um, Alex, Bregman. Al- Alex Bregman, and Jordan Alvarez, and then... That's about it. You're not wrong. And, and not Kyle, Kyle Tucker is a good player, but he's not what he was last year. Yeah, I and I think um,
1: the same thing with the Rays and same thing with Cleveland.
0: Yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland has the pitching. Yeah, Cleveland has the pitching to get it done. Ultimately, I think I, I think I'm going to stick with the Blue Jays. Okay. Uh, the, the Astros' playoff pedigree and their history has me really teetering on whether or not I, I, I want to take them. Yeah. But uh, but the Blue Jays were my pick, and I'm at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with it. Okay. I, I, I'm going to pick the Blue Jays to get to the World Series. The National League, um, it's going to be Braves and Mets, yeah. uh, Cardinals, Dodgers, and Padres. Yeah. And the Phillies, who had a pretty significant lead for that third wild card, now down, down to a half-game lead yeah. over the Brewers. Now, the, the, the Phillies have a doubleheader today, um, weather permitting. I think they hold them off. I think they're going to hold off. Oh, the Brewers have the pitching. I, I, the Brewers always pitch, and I and never, never like their lineup, but they, they have the pitching. Woodruff and Burns and
1: so many guys. It would be so Ashby. Phillies.
0: It would be so Phillies to collapse and miss the playoffs. It would be so Phillies. See, I don't know what happen. it is,
1: but I, I have a weird amount of confidence in Philly that they're going to make the playoffs and actually go pretty far. You think I, so? I, yeah, I, I don't know why. I just, I have a feeling.
0: I think that it's better for baseball if Bryce Harper is in the playoffs. Oh, 100%. I, I think it's way better for baseball if Bryce Harper is in the playoffs. No doubt. But they're going to end up having to play the number 1 wild card team, which is the Padres? No. Who's, uh, it's going to be either the Mets or the Braves. It's going gonna, gonna to hey, well, be mostly the, the Phillies. So... Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough, Sladen. Yeah. That's going and, and even if they get past that, then they're gonna have to play the Dodgers.
1: I, look, I'm calling a Subway Series World Series. I, I really believe in the Mets. Mets man. Yankees. I don't believe as much in the Yankees as I believe in the Mets. I I firmly believe the Mets are going to the World Series. Yankees I firmly believe
0: it. Yankees Mets is as much as I hate to say it, it's good for baseball. Yeah. Um, and Buck Showalter being in the World Series. Yeah. And facing off against the, the first team to give him a shot as manager. That's good for 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 baseball, and that's good for Orioles fans. Yankees, Mets, I I, I could pull for that. I yeah. I could pull for that. But I, or how about just anybody else and Mets? Because screw the Yankees. <laughs> anybody else? I don't know. I
1: I on the back of Aaron Judge right now. I mean, he's just he's the the best player in baseball at the moment, and he's carrying them. I mean, even through a lot of injuries and uh, a lot of rookies and a lot of guys who really haven't performed for them, he's such a force that I I feel like he's going to be a big reason they get they get pretty far.
0: so for Orioles Banter today I did want to talk about free agents we don't have the time for that but we'll push that till next week sure next week we'll talk about you and I are both we'll both go over this next week we'll both go over the free agents and the ones that we want the Orioles to sign Um, starting from we'll start from the most likely Oh no we'll we'll start with our pipe dream okay we all know my pipe dream (laughs) we'll start with our pipe dream and then we'll go down to to the most realistic sure okay so we'll do that next week on Orioles banter um Today's show brought to you by, and eh, we'll save it for after the break. We're going to catch our third and final break. When we come back, take to rake on the bat round
4: You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The
7: Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel hotel in hanover maryland please play responsibly gambling problem please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org
4: Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running it's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year it features the chicken schnitzel the Oktoberfest brewer's platter the brewer's sausage sandwich the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun the cheddar ale soup the slam dunk pretzels and the apple cobbler all of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home Glory Days Grill great food good sports
8: that first season
4: and food and drink specials, we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The Maryland
5: Lottery presents Raven's Greatest Plays. It was called the Mile High Miracle. A 70-yard touchdown pass against Denver with 30 seconds left to send the game into overtime. The Ravens eventually won, propelling them to the championship. Another great Ravens play belongs to Diane from Annapolis. Diane played Raven Scratchoffs and won season tickets for 20 years. You could be next. Play Raven Scratchoffs with instant prizes up to $100,000 and please play responsibly.
7: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom. From his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com See Olympic
4: athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us.
0: All right, welcome back to the bat around the bat around and take to rake are brought to you today by pressbox's glenn clark radio whose old music you hear playing is now the bat around break 3 music it is the, but glenn clark radio is and has always been the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of baltimore sports guys watch the show every weekday from 10 even though you haven't been able to see my face there for going on 5 months now Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up a new Ravens linebacker and Baltimore native Brandon Copeland who had a sack last week. CBS play-by-play voice Ian Eagle, Hall of Famer Rob Woodson, and former Ravens defensive end Chris Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. I will say, Ian Eagle and a lot of these broadcasters, Ian Eagle, Jim Nance, Kevin Harlan, they are just high-quality human beings. They are just as Sal Palantonio is like the nicest guy on the face of the planet. All these guys are just super nice guys, and they're always on Glenn Clark Radio, so go check that out. And now, it's time to... Figure out, take the rake. And, guys, this one was not close. Uh, This might have been the biggest victory of the year. Zach took Adley Rutschman. I took Ryan Mountcastle. Adley slashed 172, 250, 310, 560 with a double, a home run, three walks, and two RBIs. Ryan Mountcastle slashed 286, 355, 393, 748, three walks, a double, a triple, and three RBIs. Ryan Mountcastle wins going away. Good work, Adley. Um... (laughs) <laughs> uh, look, he's crapped the bed for me all year when I picked him, and he's had like his best week of the month every time you pick him, so you were due for one of these. I think I have a three. No, I've won two of the last three. Two of the last three. I've won yeah. two of the last three. I swear to you, I promise you, I am going to figure out the standings this week. I, I think, yeah, it's the last week of the season. Sure. You, you yeah. can you can hold me to it. I will figure out the standings <laughs> as we enter the playoffs Uh, for Take to Rick. So we'll have our regular season champion. It'll be like fantasy football. We'll have our regular season champion, our playoffs champion, and then we will do a final one with the World Series. And the winner of that, I don't think we should do the winner of that is the ultimate winner. I think it should be who just has the most wins overall. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, which I guess you don't really need to break it up. But we're going to break it up anyway, just because it's fun. Sure. Anywho, uh, final thought. My final thought is the Orioles clinching a uh, non losing season last night, um, but then the bittersweet uh, reality that they got eliminated from postseason contention about an hour, hour and a half after clinching their 81st victory last night. And for me, it always hits hard, especially when they have a good year when they're eliminated. I, it, I go back to like 2013 when they were officially eliminated from the playoffs, and it just really freaking sucked. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it like hurt. Like you knew it was coming. You kind of saw the writing on the wall from the middle of August on, but you still held out that last sliver of hope. And then when it was finally taken away, it it, it, it sucks. And you're like, well, now we gotta go out and get them next year. And then the next year the Orioles won ninety six games and were one of the best teams in baseball. Correct. Um so maybe that's what happens this year. This season was a wild success. It was an absolutely wild success. The Orioles you heard Ken Wyman allude to Adley Rutschman and Ky- and uh, Kyle, Gunnar Henderson as he sees Cal and Eddie in those two, and I think that's a perfect um, a perfect way to look at it. You have two cornerstone players who were both drafted in the same draft, and they've both been number one overall prospects in, yeah. in baseball who are, are going to be on your team in your lineup hopefully for the next seven to ten years, as Ken said. They they, they should be adding this offseason. Next year, it's going to be off and running. Mm-hmm. Um it is a really exciting time to be an fan. perhaps more exciting than 2012 through 2016. It is a really exciting time to be an Orioles fan and I know I've been highly critical of Brandon Hyde and some of the players and the way that they've performed down the stretch. But that doesn't mean that I'm not excited and happy with this team. It means that I that when your team gets better, the expectations get higher. Definitely. And I, I have high, I have higher expectations for this team, but leave no doubt. I love what happened this year. Yeah, this year was exciting. It was thrilling. It's going to go down for me as one of my favorite seasons. Certainly. Um, what? Maybe not top five, but it's certainly top eight. It'd be top five for me for for you, but but yeah. for me, I, you know, I remember. Um, You've lived a little longer. The 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 '97 season, <laughs> sure. The 2014 season; those are my two favorites. Yeah. Then the, then the 2012 season. Um, so maybe maybe it's number four. Okay. Maybe it is top five. Maybe it's number four behind those. Um, I had more anger and angst about this season than I've had in in um, other good seasons for the Orioles because, to me, this was the first time where they were, it was obvious what needed to happen for them to make a playoff run. Yeah. And for one reason or another, those things didn't happen. Didn't pull it off. But this season has been wildly successful, wildly thrilling, and we should all be happy and excited for what, is coming next for the Orioles. It's like Michael I said, blue skies from here. It's liftoff from here. Uh, I just, I I, I cannot, I've never been this excited for an offseason, and I cannot wait to see what the future holds for this team because for the first time in my life, I truly believe, truly believe, no, you know what? That's a lie. 97, I thought the Orioles were going to win the World Series. And when the Orioles got to the ALCS and I saw that they were playing the Royals in 2014, I thought they were going to win the World Series. But I truly, 100%, I, I think I know now that a World Series is coming. Okay. A World Series is coming. And that that's my final thought here is we should be thrilled with what's about to happen in Baltimore because it's its going to be incredible.
1: I want to respond to a viewer comment um, that I think is going to be a narrative the fan base pushes decently hard uh, coming up this offseason that Buck Britton should take over for uh, Brandon Hyde as the manager of the Orioles. While I don't necessarily hate the idea, my pushback against that here would be that Buck Britton would be coming in in the same scenario that Brandon High came in, mm-hmm. with no not, major league experience. Not the as same scenario. Well, same situation, I'm sorry.
0: Not the same situation, because well, Br- Brandon High came in at the start of a rebuild, and Buck Britton would be no, no, coming no, in to take over. That's not what I mean, though. I, I, I know it, that's not what you mean, but...
1: I mean that they... they Neither of them... The same experience level. They, he's neither like, of them have any majorly experience mm-hmm. managing the team. So I, I think it's hard to predict that Buck Britton, while he maybe could be a better manager than Brandon Hyde. We don't really have any evidence one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I think if the Orioles are going to go out and get, Brand, uh, get a Brandon Hyde replacement, it has to be a veteran, someone who's been around for a little while. Buck Britton, maybe he goes off and manages some other team... I don't know if that's the answer. I know that's going to be a narrative that's pushed really hard this offseason because people really like Buck Britton, and it's 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 noteworthy that you know he coached guys like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, and basically all of these guys are coming up through the system. He already knows them, so that's a definite thing there to to be to be noteworthy of. But I think they've got to get someone with actual major league experience.
0: Not you're not replacing Brandon Hyde for someone who doesn't have any. They're they're not going to get rid of Brand, like you just said. They're not going to get rid of Brandon yeah. Hyde in favor of somebody who has no experience. Right. If they're right. getting rid of Brandon Hyde is to bring in somebody who they believe puts them over the top to win a World Series. right? They're, yeah. they're getting a Don Mattingly or a Joe Madden, somebody like that, or a Mike yeah, Sosha. They're, not... they're, they're, they're they're getting somebody like Mike Sosha, I don't even know if he has interest in managing. I anymore. hope not. <laughs> um, but I'm the, not a Mike Sosha guy. N- n- neither am I, but he, there's no doubt that he has winning and postseason experience. Yeah. You know, they're going. If, if Brendan is going to be replaced, it's not going to be for Buck Britton, and, and right. people need to need to come to grips with that. That's not what Major League teams do. That's not what a Mike Elias team, what what a, what a team that you're following the Astros blueprint. Do you think the Astros would have fired, um, whoever their manager was when they were terrible, um, in favor of a guy? With, well, they might have. Did um, did AJ Hinch have managerial experience before taking over the Astros? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, why, don't, why don't you look that up but I, the, the Orioles aren't gonna fire Michael Elias and bring in Buck Britton to be the manager. now I do know that um, he did manage the Diamondbacks. okay, okay. yeah I, I do know that, that the manager gets to pick his coaching staff but if he if people if, if it's true that this year Michael Elias and Sigma Dell had an input on every lineup that Brandon Hyde did mm-hmm. which I don't think that's true. I, I think they tell him players that they want him to play. But I don't think that there's a chance that they signed off on some of these lineups. If um if you believe that, then I have to believe that while Brandon High can hire his own coaching staff, mm-hmm. that they have input on who he's who he can hire. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Buck Britton be part of the coaching staff next I year. I hope he is. I re- This
1: is not nothing against Buck Britton. It's it's more just the principle of the fact that they're not probably going to hire a guy who has no experience with, if for getting rid of Brandon. There's no probably. They're not. They're not going. They're, to. they're not going to. And Brandon Hyde again, ninety-five percent chance he's not gone anyway this offseason. season. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing to talk about for sure. I don't
0: think the chance is that high. I, I think that they, people are like people keep saying to me. Okay. And when I say people, I'm talking about people that I interact with on, yeah, yeah, or, sure. on the Orioles Twitter, right? And they keep saying to me. Uh, well, no, but they picked up his option for next year, and he's under contract for next year. That means absolutely nothing.
1: I mean, yeah. They- <laughs> that means, that means <laughs> sure, absolutely that,
0: uh, no. nothing. You know, people get fired all the time while they're under uh, under contract. And I don't know how you can be confident going forward with some of the decisions, but we're not going to get back into that, okay? Um, Buck Britton could be the next big manager who wins 110 games for some team and wins, yeah. it, wins multiple World Series, but they're not going to give him that opportunity with zero experience. In Baltimore, that's not it, gonna that, That's not me. happening here. It, it just isn't. It, maybe that happens it, with the Cubs or the Nationals. That's not happening. Really interesting discussion, though, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to do it for the baseball portion of this show. Ravens came off, coming off a big victory last week. What was the final score in that game again? Uh, 37-26. 37-26, yeah. that's right. The Ravens put up 38 points two weeks ago. 37 points last week. They have the number 1 scoring offense in the NFL. Yep. They have MVP frontrunner, in my opinion, uh, in Lamar Jackson. The defense forced five turnovers last week. They signed Jason Pierre-Paul, who's probably going to play tomorrow. They're going up against the Bills at home. They're going to need to get pressure on yeah. Josh Allen. Um, biggest test of the year for the Ravens. Now, I think that um, last week... We both kind of predicted. I think I predicted the Ravens to win something like 34-21 to 21 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you predicted something similar. Uh, I think you said like 34-17. Uh, and maybe, like and that. maybe I, I said 37-21 yeah, or something It was something 34-17 like that. last week. Yeah, I and, and I think I was at like 37-23 to 23 or something like that. Something, yeah. something like that. We were both pretty, pretty yeah. accurate with how that game went. It was a yep. two-score win for the Ravens last week uh, you got to give your prediction first last week I'll give mine this week I think that the Ravens have looked at everybody in football talking about the Bills all offseason all training camp and all through the first three weeks of the season Yeah, and how the Bills are the team to beat look what they did on Thursday night football to open the year against the, against the defending champions Josh Allen is the MVP favorite and i think the ravens are sitting there and you're not hearing a word out of them you're not hearing a word out of them you're you're seeing lamar jackson play the best football of his life and he, this is a former unanimous mvp and he thinks he should be the mvp this year they're not talking about they're talking about him as mvp but josh Allen is still in that conversation and i just think that the ravens have something for the bills okay i think the ravens have something for the bills i don't think that they're going to blow him out but I think they're scoring forty points. Okay, so I'm going to take Ravens. I'm going to take Ravens forty-one. Bills twenty-seven. Okay, and I when I say they're not going to blow them out, I think it's going to be a late touchdown by the Ravens to put the icing on the cake to make it a two-score, two-touchdown game. I'm taking Ravens forty-one. Bills twenty-seven. Zach, you said to me that you weren't that you were nervous about tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not nervous. It doesn't mean that I think that, the, that I don't think that the Bills can win. I think the Bills have a great chance to win tomorrow. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're arguably the best team in the AFC, even though that they had that. God, how do you have forty minutes of time of possession and over <laughs> and close to five hundred yards total offense, and you only score seventeen points and lose a football game, and you win the turnover battle? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't understand that. It's just like when the Ravens literally won in every single category, but lost against the um, Miami against Miami. R- ridiculous. But anyway. Um, you said to me you're nervous about tomorrow. And I'm not nervous, and it's not because I, I, I think the Ravens are just going to run away with this thing. I'm not nervous because Week 4 doesn't matter. Yeah, Week 4 doesn't matter. You look back at 2018. The Ravens won in Week 4 to get to 3-1. and one. They were 4-5 and five after nine games, and they needed to bring in. John Harbaugh was about to lose his job. Mm-hmm. It was reported he was about to lose his job. They go on to finish the season 10-6, and six, win the division, and make it into the playoffs. 2019 in week 4, the Ravens lost their second straight game. They got blown out at home by the Browns 40 to 25. They didn't lose again the rest of the regular season. They clinched the first round by as number 1 seed in the AFC at 14-2. 2020. The Ravens um they won in week 4 to get to I believe they were 3 and 1. To get to 3 and 1. And they needed a six a five game winning streak at the end of the season to make the playoffs. Last year, the Ravens were 5 and 1. After six games, they were they were three and one after week four. They had a decisive victory in week four, and they missed the playoffs. Week four does not matter. I think the Ravens have already had their their bad loss for the year, and that was against the Dolphins, a game they should have won handily. They've already had their bad loss. Whatever happens tomorrow, the only thing that's going to matter is if they if they and the the uh, Bills have the same record at the end of the year, and you need the head to head matchup. Week four does not matter nothing about week 4 has have, has ever said in the la- since 2018 since Lamar's been here nothing that's happened in week 4 has had an impact on what happened the rest of the season it just to me it just doesn't matter
1: fair enough um you're not necessarily wrong but give me the bills 38 ravens 27 in this game tomorrow
0: any thoughts on that other than just no
1: Ford? i mean I, I i i think the bills have unbelievable pass offense Mm -hmm. with so many weapons and one of the best quarterbacks in football and the Ravens pass defense so far hasn't looked great it just hasn't football it's terrible Uh, Marlon Humphrey's been excellent but the rest of the the crop of corners uh, and Marcus Williams has been great but outside of that the the secondary's really struggled I mean guys like Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams they've really struggled to start off their young rookie careers here so to me I I think the Ravens are going to get diced up in the backfield i think josh allen's gonna throw up for a lot of yards he's gonna put up like at least 450 and four touchdowns in the air um josh i mean 450 i could see it 450 against this yeah two or three six touchdowns against the man
0: <laughs> with i mean with, uh, you know, uh, uh, against three rookies okay i but, mean you've got marcus williams you've got um this pass defense chuck clark is horrible Marcus they were way better in the second half last week. They, they were they're but they're still, Mac they, Jones. They're still learning how to play together. Yeah. But you've got four guys who are some of the best at their position in that secondary, and then you have a first round pick in Kyle Hamilton who's getting better each week.
1: You're also looking at Jac or not Jacoby Myers, but Nelson Aguilar versus Stephon Diggs. Yeah. And Mac Jones versus Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they and they still gave up twenty six last week. To me, this game, they're going to give up a lot of points to the Bills. And Josh, Josh Allen's going to have a day.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll do a side bet with you. I'll, I'll bet you five bucks. Really? Okay. That Josh Allen does not throw for 450 yards tomorrow. Okay. Well, that... he's not going to. He's not <laughs> going to throw for 400. We'll say 400. I'll bet you. I'll, I'll, I'll bet, bet you. I'll bet you, I'll, I'll bet you five bucks okay. that Josh Allen doesn't throw for 400 yards. I'll tomorrow. take that bet. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. take that back. We'll, we'll shake on it after the show. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for us here on the batter round. Thanks to our guest, Stan the Fan Charles, for his weekly segment and Ken Wyman from I almost said Ken the Fan Wyman. <laughs> uh, Ken Wyman from Inside Access at 1057. Um, always great when we get to talk with Ken about some Orioles baseball. Thank you to all of our listeners, all of our sponsors. Thanks to Zach Goodman for helping us uh, for being the glue. For the show. Um, and thanks to all of you at home for listening to us. Until next week, see ya!